Okay, so here we are. It is 3.54 a.m., March 9th, 2023. The show is actually scheduled for tonight. So why am I on here more than 16 hours in advance? Well, it's because we have a very long agenda. And I decided, you know what, let me just uh, knock some things out here in advance. So I'll have more energy to talk about the other stuff. Because it has been a long time since we had a regular Poker Fraud Alert radio show. We did have one about two weeks ago to discuss the whole Jamie LaFay GoFundMe situation. That was a single topic emergency radio show. But we didn't talk about anything else. So a lot of topics that I've wanted to talk about have built up. And there's even some new topics that have come up recently. The last show we had was on February 12th, so we're talking about 25 days, and that's a lot of time. So rather than try to get that whole thing done in one shot, I'm going to probably do like back-to-back shows. And how I put this in the archives, I'm not sure. Maybe it'll be a separate show. Maybe it'll be combined. It depends how long they are. But these are actually going to be recorded in two parts. So this part you're hearing right now, even if it is combined with the other part, is being recorded during the morning of March 9th. So just keep that in mind. So obviously during this part of the show, there's no free roll. And during this part of the show, I'm just going to continue the Jamie LaFay topic because there's a lot more to say since the last show we did on February 23rd. So I want to continue this topic and hopefully close it out. Hopefully this is not going to be a regular feature which drags on and I can kind of say what I want to say tonight and then be done with it. So that's my hope. Maybe that won't turn out to be the case, but that's what I'm hoping to do. But there's definitely more to say and obviously a lot of you are probably waiting for an update. Some of you have probably been following it on Twitter or on the forum, but even then you may not exactly have put it all together because the whole thing's kind of convoluted and confusing in some ways. So I'm going to try to clear up everything. I'm going to try to give you the best updates I can since our last show. And hopefully when this segment's over, you will have a better idea of where we all stand with that, which is not a major scandal in itself. But unfortunately, I got roped in to be a major part of it because I'm the face of the person, or the face of the people calling it out. Even though I wasn't the one to start calling it out, somehow I am designated by Jamie and the trolls that have been following her and that have been trying to distract from the situation by attacking me. I have been designated the leader of this whole effort, which is kind of weird. I'm not the leader of anything here. I'm just one person with my opinion, and then there's a number of others with the same opinion, and then there's a whole lot of others also with the same opinion, but they don't say anything, which we will talk about tonight too. That's what I plan to do this morning, and then the regular topics, which don't have to do with Jamie, I plan to do in the evening. That's the way it's looking right now, but you never know on this show what happens. You can text me at any time, 775 Fraud 55-775-372-8355. You can even call in. I do want to get through all this without taking too much time, so I don't have time to have long conversations. We may throw on Luke Vrabel if he's awake when I'm ready to make that call. If not, we'll 
try to call him tonight because I do want to talk to him. He's been someone who's been kind of an ally of mine. In fact, he started calling it out before I did. So we've been in this together, and both of us have been sharing some of the same frustrations with the way some people have reacted to this in different ways. You know, the way we show our frustration is in different ways, and we've had not the identical experience, but uh, similar enough. And so we've talked a good deal in the last few weeks, and I want to put him on here so we can talk about that. But I'm going to be talking about the whole thing that's happened since the last show, because there's a lot of things to say. Update you, what have you, and then hopefully this topic will be put mostly to bed. The last show I did with no preparation, like I just flipped it on, and I did not research anything other than what I had been researching about that topic for the prior two weeks, but I did not put a structure of the show together. I just turned the radio on and started talking. And I was afraid it was going to be hard to follow. I was afraid I was going to be confusing. I was afraid that it wasn't going to be the best radio. But I wanted to get this out there. And I just wanted to speak my piece about the whole thing up till that point. And you guys probably heard I sounded pretty stressed. In fact, Brandon, who was on the show with me part of the time, and he was listening the entire time, he mentioned that I sounded stressed. And other people listening said I sounded stressed, and that's because I was. I was stressed because of the reaction I was getting from some in the community that I did not feel was appropriate. I was kind of surprised and disappointed in some ways. I will once again repeat that the vast majority of people agreed with my assessment, or at least mostly agreed. But this was really a case where we had a silent majority. And I'll explain to you later why it definitely was a silent majority and why it's not just in my head. This isn't where just people don't say anything. I assume they agree with me. No, I know they agree with me, and I'll explain later why. But anyway, I'll I'll get to my feelings on the community response to this towards the end of this segment. But I want to give you an update here. I am pleased to tell you that I got a lot of good response from the last show we did on February 23rd. And my fears about maybe it's going to be confusing or maybe it's just going to sound like rambling, those did not really come to pass. People said they learned a lot. It was very clear. It was very well laid out. I got a lot of compliments, so thank you. I wasn't sure how it was going to come off even when I was done with the whole thing. I was like, okay, well, when I edit this thing, I wonder if I'm going to be ashamed of what I created there. But turned out it was okay, so that's at least good. Anyway, let's very, very quickly catch you up as to what happened up to the last show we did on the 23rd of February. If you want to hear all the details, go back and listen to that show. But I'm going to give you really, really, really short cliffs notes on what had happened up till then. Jamie LaFay, whose real name is Jamie LaFay Daniels, is a very erratic and uh, very unstable personality in poker. I first noticed her, I don't know, two years ago or so, and I didn't know much about her. I did notice in the last few months that she kept getting into all these little dramas on Twitter that we were covering on this show, really just for entertainment purposes. You know, Up until this whole thing, my coverage of Jamie LaFay was just kind of, hey, look at this, this is amusing, but nothing that was really serious. But this was definitely not someone that I saw as a stable person or a trustworthy person. 
But at the same time, I didn't have anything against her. And I didn't know her. I've never met her. I had never spoken to her. So I had no reason to have anything against her. Apparently, she had a bad reputation with some people when she lived in Spokane, Washington, and was in the poker scene over there. But I didn't even know that prior to all this. So I really came into this with just kind of a mostly neutral opinion on her, aside from just noticing she was acting wacky somewhat and getting in these weird situations. But where the whole thing really ramped up is when she started a GoFundMe that was asking for $50,000, claiming that she was in the hospital getting surgery to deal with the cancer she was fighting, that she was having life-threatening surgery for her cancer. And the justification for the 50K was, number one, for the parts that insurance doesn't cover, that was not specified how much is not covered or what's not covered. The transportation, which didn't make any sense because she was getting treated very close to where she lived. She didn't say where she's getting treated, but I know where she's getting treated. Then she also said she needed money for medications that aren't covered by insurance. Again, didn't say what those were or how much that's going to be. And finally, because she can't work. And what did she mean by I can't work? She meant that she could not play poker. (laughs) Now, if a known winning poker pro who has been playing for years and known to be consistently turning a profit in poker called that work and said that when they can't play that they don't have an income, that makes sense. But somebody who is not known to be a winning player, someone who nobody has ever vouched for or described as a winning player, to say, oh, I can't work, I can't play poker, so give me money that I would have otherwise won, that already is getting on the shady side. But that was the least of the problems here. I was noticing, as were others, that there were some questionable things about the GoFundMe. It was supposedly started by her sister, And yet her sister's not in the poker community. And the person who wrote this up used all kinds of poker terms in the GoFundMe. Whoever wrote it clearly knew the poker community and terms within. And yet it was written by a non-poker player. So that was strange. She was doing it under a fake name. She goes by Jamie LaFay on Twitter, which is fine. You can call yourself what you want on Twitter. But her real name is Jamie Daniels. And yet she's asking people for $50,000 under the name Jamie LaFay, and is going through great lengths to cover up what her real name is, which is kind of shady. If you're going to ask the community for 50000 bucks, you should be giving your real name. If you want to keep your real name secret, then don't ask the community for money. So that was right off the bat, things that were noticeably shady. And then, of course, why does she need the money? Remember, she has insurance, and there's no indication she's a winning poker player, so even if she can't play for a while after the surgery, does this really mean that uh, this is money she would have otherwise won? Probably not. And uh, she provides no proof that she was winning in poker prior to that, nor anyone coming forward vouching for that. 
And the expenses she was claiming to have uh, didn't seem to be adding up to very much. Oh, what if insurance doesn't cover this? Oh, what about medications? What about transportation, even though it's down the street from where she lived? So the whole thing just looked like a money grab to me. And the reason it especially looked like a money grab to me is because on January 16th, a month beforehand, she was shown busting on Hustler Casino Live. She lost about 7600 bucks. You could see it in her face. She left in the middle of the screen, in the middle of the stream. She was very, very frustrated. You could, she had that look on her face like, oh my God, I just lost all my money. Not just the money she brought. She really had that look on her face like she was broke. I don't know for sure, but I mean, it, it looked like that. And she left in the middle of the stream. Then that same night, she claimed she was going to kill herself. And people on Twitter were begging her not to. And she was saying, no, she's decided already she's going to do it. Then she vanished for 24 hours, making people think she had done it. And it turned out, no, she just traveled back to San Francisco, checked out of her hotel, went to the airport, went through security, traveled to San Francisco by plane, and got ground transportation back to where she lives in San Francisco. All of that without texting anybody, not even her own boyfriend, that she was okay for 24 hours, while they all thought that she had maybe committed suicide because that's what she had said she was concluding she was going to do. And there was a big search for her, not by the police, to my knowledge, but by people in poker who were concerned. So all that ordeal occurred in mid-January after that hustler loss. And then all of a sudden, mid-February, oh, I need $50,000 for these reasons. So it doesn't take a genius to put it together. It doesn't take a genius to say, wait a minute, this might be her attempt to rebuild her bankroll. That's what I thought. That's what a lot of logical people thought was happening here. However, was she really sick? Did she really have cancer? What was this hospital stay for? She was posting all these pictures of herself in the hospital that, to me, looked real. And is it possible that maybe two things were true at once? Maybe she did bust in mid-January, but maybe also she had terminal cancer or very serious cancer and needed a life-threatening operation to keep her alive. And maybe she was asking for a compassionate 50K because of that. So it was a lot to unpack. This wasn't something so simple where someone busts their role and then pretends they have cancer and asks for money because they have cancer and they need to pay the bills. That's not what was going on here. It's pretty clear from the beginning that she was in the hospital, that she was sick in some way, that she was having some kind of procedure done. But it wasn't clear that she really had a need for 50K or that it was anywhere, anywhere near as serious as she was portraying. So for this reason, it was a tough thing for a lot of people to understand. It's easy to understand when there's an outright scam, when someone who's healthy goes and says, oh, I have cancer, give me money. Like, I don't have cancer. And if I were to say tomorrow, I have cancer, give me money, and then you were to find out that I don't have cancer, it's very simple, that I'm a scammer. And... If I do have cancer, and you know I have cancer, and you know that the expenses I'm incurring because of the cancer are ones I cannot pay, or it can be very difficult for me to pay, and I put out a very clear GoFundMe that shows exactly what I need, why I need it, how much the bills are, what insurance doesn't cover, blah, 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 and I show you everything so you can fully understand why I need the money, and then you make a donation based upon all that information, well, then it's a very clean GoFundMe. Then it's something that is very honest and straightforward and transparent. But what about something in between? What about something where the person does seem to have some kind of health issue going on, maybe even 
a semi-serious one, but maybe not to the extent they're claiming, and maybe they're also lying throughout the campaign to try to get more donations. Because even if you're telling the complete truth about your health condition, you can also lie about other things in order to get more money, such as, I can't work, I'm going to be in recovery for three to six months, when in reality you're, quote, work, playing poker, number one, maybe your recovery really isn't three to six months, maybe you can go back and play pretty soon, or maybe you're not a winning player in the first place. So these are little lies you could be telling where you still wouldn't deserve the money, even if you really do have cancer. So there's a lot of different ways this can go. And this was kind of a complex situation, and it was a tough one to figure out. And also, it had potential bad optics for anyone who were to call it out. If someone is outright faking the whole thing, then it's not bad optics, as long as you can reasonably show that they're just entirely faking the whole thing and they never went to the hospital and they don't have cancer and they're not sick. Well, then that's not that hard to call out as long as you have pretty good evidence. But if the person is actually sick, and especially if they're female, and especially if they're female and somewhat attractive, then it is very difficult to call this out, especially if you are a man. And I thought about this before I injected myself into the situation, as I said during the last program. Even though I noticed right away some lies she told, and I was able to prove that she had told some lies, I wasn't sure if I wanted to get into it, because... I was worried that there would be a big backlash from people who didn't understand and didn't want to understand. It's one thing if people don't understand and then you explain it and they say, oh, okay, never mind, I changed my mind. But some people, all they see is a seemingly healthy, white, middle-aged, straight dude attacking a female cancer patient. And that's all they can see. And everything else all the other factors I was just talking about go by the wayside. They just say, no, but man, she's sick. Man, how can you do this, man? How can you do that? How can you be so cruel? I say, yeah, but she lied about this. And the, oh, come on, man. Why does it matter? She's got cancer. Stop being a dick. So there's some people who make this into something incredibly simplistic when it is not and it should not be because it involves money. I agree that if somebody is sick, if somebody has cancer or claims they have cancer, and at the very least you can see that they're sick with something. At the very least you can see they're not healthy. And they're going on the internet for sympathy. I can see not being a dick and calling that out, even if they are embellishing things and lying about some things. Because there you got to have a heart and say, okay, well, this person's going through something. They're going through, through something pretty unpleasant. So, you know what? They're being kind of bullshitty about some things here, but they are really sick, so I'm just going to let this one slide. That's what a compassionate person might do. That's what I would typically do. But when $50,000 is involved, when you're asking the community of strangers for $50,000, that's where you can't just shrug your shoulders and go, well, well, she's really sick, so I'm just not going to say anything. But you know what? I thought of not saying anything. I thought of not saying anything because of the potential optics and the times we live in. If I called this out 15 years ago, it's a different story. But the times we live in today, even if you have the facts and the evidence on your side, unless it's a really, really simple situation, like the person's just outright faking it, which I knew was not the case here, then it's going to be a tough road to hoe. And I was a little afraid of that occurring. So I almost didn't say anything. And then 
I smacked myself across the face. And I said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You are the one who runs PokerFraudAlert.com. This is the point of PokerFraudAlert.com, to call out scams, scandals, lies, and frauds in poker. So if you think this woman is not being honest on her GoFundMe, or at least not being honest about some things, then you should let the community know. And screw anyone who does not wish to listen to reason or use logic or listen to my explanation or look at my proof and just wants to assume bad things about me. Screw those people. Because the important thing should be, if I'm running PokerFraudAlert.com, to call out anything like this where the community is being asked for 50, 50K under some false pretenses. So I did it. So I called out the first thing I noticed right away, that she was not telling the truth as to why her sister, Julie Daniels, who set up the GoFundMe, had a different last name than her, LaFay. I knew the truth was they had the same last name, and she told a BS story as to why they have different last names. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I got to call this out, and I got to call out some other things I'm immediately seeing here that are wrong. And I did, and oh boy, did that blow up. So as I said at the very beginning here, I eventually got designated the face of the opposition to the GoFundMe. I did not organize any opposition to the GoFundMe. As I said, there was opposition before I even said anything because Luke Rabel, a.k.a. Slay Dog, he was already involved. He was already unhappy with her for the fake suicide thing she did a month prior. He was very sensitive about that because his own brother committed suicide, and he's been public about that. I'm not giving away his private business. So when he saw that she was faking it and making everybody worried on purpose, this really set him off, and rightfully so. So he already didn't like her from that, and he predicted at the time that this was a prelude to her asking for money within a short time, and he was right. So he was involved. There was a guy who goes by a cookie monster, which is like a poker cookie M on Twitter. I hadn't heard of him before. I guess he's an East Coast player, but he noticed some things as well, and he got involved, and some other people were getting involved in making comments before I ever said anything. So I threw myself into this, and somehow I maybe because I'm the guy running Poker Fraud Alert, somehow I was seen as the leader of those who were questioning the GoFundMe. In fact, some people were incorrectly characterizing it as I was commanding my underlings, like Luke and Cookie Monster, to go do my dirty work, which is so stupid. Because if you know Luke, he's not doing anybody's dirty work. He's like the most independent guy you can think of. This guy, uh, he does and says what he wants. He got suspended for a week from Twitter because he was uh, using all kinds of foul language uh, towards any woman who was questioning uh, what he was doing with Jamie. And Cookie Monster, this guy I didn't even know until this whole thing started. I had no idea who he was. And again, this is not the type of person who's going to take direction from me. These are all independent adults who thought for themselves and gave their own take on it and their own opinion that just happened to align with mine. And it's not very hard to align with mine because it was obvious if you have a brain. So, But it was being portrayed, though, that I was the big leader. I was the big mastermind, which is somewhat insulting to these other guys because these aren't dumb guys here I'm talking about. But it was being portrayed like I'm, I'm the big smart guy on top and, the, and these are my lackeys, my underlings who uh, aren't as capable as me but will do dirty work when I tell them to. It was so stupid. That was not the case at all, believe me. So I really uh, had no way out of this one once I got into it. I had a lot of people 
once this blew up, I had people asking me, look, if this is stressing you out, why don't you just back away? Why don't you just stop talking about it? And I said, I can't because now there's a lot of people talking about it and everybody is being attributed to being foot soldiers of mine. So even if I say nothing ever again about this, anything anyone else does and says about this that uh, criticizes Jamie or her GoFundMe will be blamed on me anyway. So I might as well stay in it. I might as well see this through. Now, this isn't something I wanted to fight out for years, believe me. But this was something that I had to see through, at least for when it was a big topic on Twitter, which, by the way, I will tell you is winding down. I I don't want to misportray this and make it seem like this is raging on and everyone's discussing this. In fact, there's a big topic on Twitter right now, which we're going to talk about tonight, which has nothing to do with this at all. It has to do with uh, poker training software and uh, real-time assistance and stuff like that. that. That's the big topic today on Twitter. No one's even thinking about Jamie right now. For the moment, we're talking about Jamie. I'll get to the other stuff later when we do the second part of this show tonight. In this segment, we're going to be going over what has happened with Jamie since I left off. So let me tell you a few things. First of all, recall the GoFundMe started and within like 24 hours got $14,000 of donations, which is a ton in like 24 hours. Maybe not exactly 24 hours, but roughly 24 hours. It rocketed up to 14K out of the 50 they were seeking. By the way, 50 was not a ceiling. 50 was a suggestion. So it could have blown past 50 and they would have been happy to take it, obviously. But it was already up to 14 really quickly, including 10 from Nadia Magnus, who I talked about in the last show, so I won't go into her, but she was uh, she did this to be generous. She did this because she's a big advocate for women in poker. She was kind of duped in the whole thing and didn't want to really admit it. And I, I talked about that last time, so I won't go into the whole thing with her again. But still, even without Nadia, you had another 4K. And then more money was coming in. So at the time I started the show on February 23rd, it was only like four days old to GoFundMe. And yet it was up to like $17,800 or so. So even if you take away Nadia's 10K, you still got well over $7,500 that had been donated by others. And nobody else had donated a huge sum like Nadia had. I know one person donated 1000 but everybody else was substantially less than that. So she was getting a lot of donations. And it was going up and up and up and up. But at that time, I had been calling it out. Luke had been calling it out. Cookie Monster had been calling it out. Various people who knew her from Spokane were calling it out. The question was going to be, was this going to have an effect? Were the donations going to keep rolling in at a fast pace as they were? Or was this going to slow them down? Well, I can't read people's minds. I can't tell you why people stopped. But I will tell you this. Remember, it was about $17,800 worth of donations when we started the show on February 23rd. By the time the show was over, the donations were down to around 16500 Now, how did that happen? Did I send you guys warping back in time? This is what makes time travel possible. The flux capacitor. No. On GoFundMe, you can actually request a refund if you have donator's remorse. If you realize that you've been 
sending money to something that wasn't what it appeared to be. So you actually can ask for a refund and GoFundMe will give it to you. I don't know the time frame in which you can do this, but I know that you can do it. And various people did so. I don't know exactly why they did it. I didn't have people coming to me saying it was because of me. And they very well could have listened to other people. They very well could have just looked into it themselves. You know, I put the facts out there. I put the methods I used to come to these facts. I showed my work. So everybody who wanted to verify for themselves didn't have to take my word for it. They could just go look for themselves. And there's a ton of discussion about this on Twitter. So some people, I think about 11 of them from what I could see, took back their money and good for them. So the donations actually went down since I last talked to you on the 23rd of February. And they never really went back up. A few donations came here and there, but it never went back to its peak. So there's actually about $1,000 less right now that has been raised total than was the last time we talked. And it was about 1200 less until Brad Owen gave $200 for some reason. But there's only been four donations in the last nine days, one of them being Brad Owen. So this really seems like it's grinding to a halt. And I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see that people took a look, they took a hard look and said, you know what, cancer or not, this girl's not telling the truth about everything. This girl is misleading us about a lot of things, and it's not really clear why she needs this money other than she just liked to have it. So I think some people realize that this wasn't what it appeared to be at first, even if she really has cancer, and they took the money back. And that's the right thing to do, because Jamie is not entitled to your money. Cancer or not, she's not entitled to your money. And as I said last time, if you think that someone having cancer makes them entitled to your money, then stroll down to the nearest cancer clinic or hospital and find every cancer patient you can and give away your entire net worth to them. It'd be very generous if you do, but I don't think you're going to do that, are you? So just because this particular alleged cancer patient says, hey, give me money, that doesn't mean you just give it. Yeah, there has to be a reason. Otherwise, you just give away all your money to people who have cancer and you don't do that. I'm sure nobody who listens to the show just randomly hands away money to people with cancer. So when someone says, hey, I have cancer, give me 50K, there's still got to be transparency, there's got to be honesty, and there's got to be a good reason for why they need the money. And the second you find any dishonesty in the campaign, you have to go, you know what, regardless of this woman's condition, if she's not going to be completely honest with us, she's going to use a fake name, she's going to have uh, her boyfriend starting the campaign when it, and claiming it's her sister, which, which turned out to be the case, and her boyfriend admitted it, and if... She's going to pretend she's still in the hospital for two days after she's been discharged, as she did, in order to make people feel guilty who are arguing with her. Oh, my God, you're arguing with a woman in the hospital who's fighting for her life. How dare you do this? And she said this to me on Twitter when she was really sitting at home, shaming me for arguing with a woman fighting for her life in the hospital. In a hospital bed, literally right now, she says. So when you see someone who's not being honest like this, even if they are telling the truth that they have cancer, you, you, you probably say, this is not the cancer patient I want to donate to. Because there are a lot of cancer patients out there. In fact, there's plenty of cancer patients in poker. Some of them, in fact, came forward. Some of them said, hey, I have cancer too. In fact, 
one guy is terminal, and I believe him. And by the way, he was offered tournament stakes where he lives in Northern California. He was offered by like a number of people, and every single one of them he turned down because he said he's not out there for that. He's, he's not looking for handouts. He just wanted to mention that he has terminal cancer. He's got like 6 to 12 months to live, and he's not asking anyone for anything, and he's not lying about anything, and this whole thing annoys him. In fact, he said he wants to come on this show. We may have him on at some point. So there has to be a reason you give it. And the reason you give it is because the person is nice, honest, transparent, in need. These are reasons you give it. Or, at the very least, has done a lot for the community. So someone who's a beloved figure in the community for a long time, if they get cancer and you want to help them out, fine. But not someone who's kind of new to the scene. She claims she's been playing for 20 years. I I've been around for over 20 years. I hadn't heard of her until about two years ago, and nobody else I know has. Anyway, the GoFundMe has basically ground to a halt. Everybody came to their senses as far as that, because it's one thing to get out on Twitter and virtue signal and bash me for calling this out and asking some questions. It's another to reach into your wallet and actually donate. And yeah, some of these trolls gave like a few bucks, but I'm talking about ones that are going to give money that's going to really make a difference and really help. It's a lot harder to put your money where your mouth is. Remember I talked about the silent majority? There's a lot of people in poker. There's a lot of rich people in poker. There's a lot of generous people in poker. Look what happened when they had that fundraiser for K.L. Cleeton to get a van to play the World Series of Poker. K.L. Cleeton, the quadriplegic. His GoFundMe not only met its goal, but it exceeded its goal. And very quickly, because there was nothing shady about it. It was very straightforward. Veronica Brill, who was a good friend of KL's, said, hey, you know what? We're going to raise money for KL to have a van, a special van, to take him around in his wheelchair. And this will allow him to be able to get to the World Series of Poker and allow him to be driven wherever he needs to go. He, he can't drive himself, obviously, but this is something that will be very useful for him. He's a good guy. He's never had any scandals. So what do you think, guys? He's a quadriplegic. He's a poker player. He loves poker. He's a good poker player. How about doing this for him? And all these people opened up their wallets because they saw a guy who they felt deserved it and who was in a very bad situation physically, being a quadriplegic. So they wanted to help. They were generous. It was a very nice story. I talked about it on the show. I had nothing but good things to say about it, if you remember. So that's an example of a GoFundMe, which makes sense, and where people were very generous. But look at this. This started off with people being very generous. It raised money very quickly on Jamie's GoFundMe, but then it ground to a halt. Why do you think that is? I mean, you only had a limited number of people on Twitter who were backing my point of view and we're backing Slay Dog's point of view and Cookie Monster's point of view and most of those people who were doing it weren't particularly well known what about all the very well known poker pros or even semi well known poker pros where's all the rich people in poker who donated to KL Clayton why aren't they donating to this because these people were not tweeting in my favor these people were not backing me in any way these people are not my friends a lot of them so why are they not donating to this? Hmm. 
because of the silent majority I'm talking about. That once it was pointed out that there were some dishonest elements here, and as I said, it was clearly shown. It wasn't just allegations, oh, you're lying, and then no evidence shown of that. When evidence was shown, not just by me, but by others, then everybody had a lot more information to decide whether they whip out that credit card and donate. And you know what a lot of people decided to do? To say nothing, to not get involved, but also not donate. Because they didn't like what they saw. And I believe, they didn't tell me this, but this is what common sense would dictate. I believe that they noticed the lies too, because I made it very easy for them to notice, as did Cookie Monster, as did Slay Dog. And I think these people realized, hey, we don't want to give our money to this. We're seeing too many lies here, and she's not answering. She was not giving a coherent answer to any of this. Her answers were always, oh, why are you picking on a woman with cancer? I'm fighting for my life right now. You want me to prove I have cancer? And I'm like, no, no, I'm not asking if you have cancer. I'm, I, again, what about these elements of your GoFundMe that are not telling the truth? What about these tweets you're putting out that you're in the hospital when you're actually not in the hospital anymore? Why did you do that? Like, why are you not answering these? Oh, I have cancer. I'll show you I have cancer. I'm like, I'm like, no, but that's not what I'm asking. And she knows what I'm asking. So people see this. People see that she's being very evasive. And they say, well, screw it. You know, well, we'll save our money for the next person who has a GoFundMe and a good story that really deserves it. Not someone who's acting very shifty about the matter and won't answer any direct questions about why they told lies. Good. Good. That was the point here. And by the way, this is nothing personal. I didn't know her. All I wanted was to make the community aware that lies were being told so they were better informed when they were deciding whether or not to donate. That was the entire goal. And if people wanted to donate anyway, if they looked at what I presented and said, you know what, Todd? I don't believe any of this. I think you're full of shit. And they donate anyway. Or they could look and say, well, Todd, you're not full of shit, but that doesn't matter. She's still sick, so I want to donate anyway. Then fine, go ahead and donate. Whatever. I don't care. I haven't given anyone a hard time for donating. Like Brad Owen. Do you think I've hassled him about it? No. You think I'm going to? No. I think it's kind of odd that he did at this point (laughs) two days ago, but I'm not going to say anything to him because it's his money. He can do what he wants with it. If, If Brad Owen wanted to Wipe his ass with $200 bills and flush it down the toilet. That's his business. It's it's his money, okay? So you can do whatever the hell you want with your money as long as you're not hurting anyone with it. So if you want to donate it to her, despite everything that's come out, by all means do it. And I'm not being sarcastic. I've always had a philosophy from the very beginning on this show that your money is yours to spend how you want. But I wanted everybody to be informed as to what they were spending it on And as to the weird lies that were being told, both on Twitter and in the GoFundMe itself, and then they would have all the information at that point to decide whether this is a worthy cause to be donating to. That was my goal. That was it. Nothing more complex than that. It wasn't about misogyny. It wasn't about trolling. It wasn't about just trying to get clicks to my forum, which does not run for profit. It was not about getting listeners to this show. It was not about any of this. It was simply to inform, simply to present some things that others may not have seen or did not have the interest in trying to research. I did the work for them, but I presented it all very clearly to where they could all research it themselves as well. I wasn't 
making it to where they had to just count on me. I wasn't saying, well, she's lying. I'm not going to show you how, but trust me, she is. Or she's lying about A, B, and C. Just trust me on this. I won't show you my evidence of that. That was never my approach. I always explained exactly my logic and my reasoning, and I always opened up the floor to her or to her boyfriend or both to respond to me. But all they would do is block me and then just talk trash about me. Much more her than him. And they would not answer any direct questions because they couldn't, because if they answered the questions directly, they would end up in a corner because they were not telling the truth about a number of things. And I can prove it. I have proven it. I'm not saying the whole thing was a lie. The whole thing was not a lie. There were some elements of truth in there, but there were also a lot of lies. So I want to now delve into something. We're going to get a little bit ahead and then we're going to go back. But I want to delve into something that was posted recently. Every once in a while, Jamie would be tilted into posting documents from this hospital stay. At one point, she posted her discharge paperwork, or at least the front page of it, which gave away a lot of information. I don't think she realized how much it gave away. And then she also, more recently, since we had the last show, posted some supposed email communication she had between her and her doctor. Now, the point of the emails was to show that she really had cancer and that her doubters were wrong. And when these email communications were posted, and these were taking place through an app called MyChart. MyChart is an app that is used by a number of medical groups, including the one that she's at, which is uh, the University of California Medical Group, such as uh, UCLA, UC San Francisco. So that, that's the group she is part of here. And so they do use my chart. That is a fact. And the question became whether she was really communicating with a doctor on there and posting the honest communication she was having or whether she was just photoshopping this to say what she wanted it to say. Now, I have always been one to want to know the actual facts, not the narrative that will make my side look better. I want to look at the actual facts and go from there. And often, when I find out the actual narrative, it makes my side look better anyway, because it turned out I was right. I'm not right all the time. There's occasional times where I will say something on this show, and it turns out that when I get more information, it's false, and I will come out and correct it when that happens, and I will apologize in those cases where that happens. But I've really tried to be careful not to let that happen. And in this case, I was careful as well. So I had a feeling the more I would see, the more it would validate that what I was assuming about this whole thing was true, which again, was not that she was faking cancer, and it was not that she was faking the hospital. I mean, she was faking the end of the hospital stay, but that she actually had been in the hospital. So I I wasn't trying to deny she had been to the hospital, wasn't trying to deny she had cancer, wasn't trying to deny that she had a procedure done. These were all things that I conceded were likely true. There were others who were trying to say, well, I think she's faking the whole thing. And I said, no, I don't think she's faking the whole thing. And I told you guys that last time. But anyway, when these doctor communications came out on the MyChart app, which is kind of the equivalent of email, there were a lot of people who jumped on them right away saying, oh, these are fake. 100% they're fake. People were all over these, the the critics of hers. Most of them were saying, it's got to be fake. And I'll read them to you and you'll see why. But... I was not convinced they were fake. And I wanted to 
analyze these as well as I could and figure out to the best of my ability whether they were fake. Because even if they were real, they didn't necessarily mean that she was right. So I could have made the case, oh, these are fake, and could have made a pretty convincing case that they were fake. But I didn't want to do that because I only wanted to say things I truly believed. So let's go through it and you'll find out whether I think these were fake. I will read them to you. And again, I did not go into her confidential medical records. She posted these voluntarily on her own Twitter. So I'm only reading you what she posted. Now, one of these correspondences is still up on Twitter. The other was deleted. But both were posted publicly at one point. So these were things that she provided voluntarily. Just want to make this clear. So she actually posted them backwards. She posted the one at uh, 2.47 p.m. on March 4th first and then deleted it and then went back and posted one from about an hour earlier and that one's still up to my knowledge. So I'm going to read them in order even though they're posted backwards. And again, the later one is gone, but I have it saved. So the first one is at 1.28 p.m. It's from a doctor who is of Asian descent. You can see a small picture of him. And the subject was pathology-not-so-good news. So right away, people were skeptical. They're like, how is a doctor going to email something like that to you using that language? If you have cancer, if they just discover you have cancer, would a doctor really email you and the subject's going to be pathology-not-so-good news? So people were already thinking this is BS. But I, again, wasn't so sure. Then he supposedly wrote, Hi, Ms. Daniels. And these are screenshots from her MyChart app. Hi, Ms. Daniels. I tried calling, and I didn't want to leave a message. I hope that you're healing up well and recovering. Unfortunately, the pathology did show that the parotid masses, those are the masses they took out of her, because remember, she did have a procedure where they removed what are called adenomas. We covered that last time. The parotid masses are cancerous. We will be reviewing the pathology on Wednesday, but I suspect we will need radiation to help with the treatment. One step at a time, but I wanted to let you know what we're thinking. Please let me know if you have any questions, and I will reach out on Wednesday to give you a summary. Patrick. Patrick's the name of the doctor. He doesn't say his last name. People found the doctor. I'm not going to bother to say who he is, but he's not that hard to find uh, between the picture and the name and the location and all that. So he is a real doctor, and he does work in oncology, so that all matches. But was this message real? Did she maybe erase what he really wrote and typed up something herself to replace it? Because all we're seeing is a screenshot that could have easily been manipulated, people said, and people had a good point. So I had to figure out, to the best of my ability, whether it was. Now, that was the one that she posted second that's still up there. The one she posted first was from actually an hour later. And this has a different subject. The subject was, bend some questions. Now, bend some questions, I believe this was from her. I believe the pathology dash not-so-good news was from the doctor. This one appears to have been started by her, and he's responding. So you don't get to see anything she wrote. You just see the doctor writing to her at 247, about an hour later. So you do have cancer, parentheses thyroid, and yes, it is still our plan to take care of that once you're healed up from the parotid surgery, which is what you just had in mid-February. The most definitive thing is the biopsy from 103122, which confirms thyroid cancer in the lymph nodes. 
So you may think, oh my goodness, she's got it's in her lymph nodes. This must mean it's spread, and this is this sounds terrible between these two emails. I mean, you must really feel bad for her right now that I dared question any of this. Yet, provided this is real. Then he says, hope that helps, and we're still waiting on pathology for the salivary tissue. We'll keep you posted, Patrick. So, okay. First of all, are these real? And second, if they are, does this mean that she really is dying of cancer? Because the guy mentioned that there's thyroid cancer in the lymph nodes. He said very clearly, so you do have cancer, parentheses, thyroid. He mentioned in the other email an hour before about they'll probably start with radiation treatment. So this all sounds pretty bad, right? Well, it's definitely not good. But is it real? I determine that, yes, it is real. And I'll tell you why. Because that other message, the one she posted and deleted, the one at 247, let's listen to it again. So you do have cancer, thyroid, and yes, it is still our plan to take care of that, blah, blah, blah. Hold on. So you do have cancer or thyroid. Wait a minute. She's known she's had thyroid cancer. That's what she's been claiming she's had for years. We found old posts of hers dating back years talking about thyroid cancer. So why is this doctor who knows her whole history saying to her, so you do have cancer or thyroid? And then also in that same email, why is he saying that the most definitive thing is the biopsy from October 31st, 2022? 2022? I thought she was just finding this out. I thought this is him dropping the bad news on her that she has cancer. Why, why would he be writing to her an hour later about that she does have cancer, which she's obviously known for a long time, and about this biopsy from October that she's known about for a long time? Why would he be bringing this up again? Well, obviously, she asked him things because she wanted him to respond so she could post the response on Twitter. The first message she got at 128, I believe, was him actually informing her of the results of the lab tests of what they took out of her. And the second email was her, I believe, writing to him. And the subject has been some questions. I think that was her subject writing to him. She cut that off. And so she probably asked something like, well, I'm a little confused. Do I have cancer or not? And can you describe the cancer I have? Because she wanted him to basically state what she already knew again so she could capture it and slam it on Twitter. And that's exactly what she did. That's why he said, so you do have cancer. And that's why he referred to the most definitive thing being something from October, which he obviously knew about already. But still, if I believe these are real, then doesn't this mean that she has thyroid cancer, and if it's spread to her lymph nodes, shouldn't this mean it's a late-stage cancer, and maybe she is fighting for her life? So maybe I have egg on my face here. Well, a few things. First of all, even if that's all true, that doesn't change the fact that she lied about a bunch of stuff. I never said she was lying about cancer. I said that the procedure in February was to take out adenomas, which was true. I said that her sister did not write up that GoFundMe like she claimed, and I was right. It was her boyfriend, and her boyfriend admitted to this. I said that she was not in the hospital past February 19th, even though she was posting pictures on February 20th and 21st and claiming they were live and claiming they were happening right then and telling me I'm arguing with a woman literally in a hospital bed right now, and she was lying about that, and I proved that. Her own discharge papers proved that as well. So she still lied about a bunch of stuff. 
But let's put aside those lies and let's talk about what her condition likely is because I think I figured it out. I don't know for sure because I haven't seen anything beyond what she's posted publicly, but this allowed me to have enough information to where I thought I could probably deduce something, and I think I've gotten pretty close. As you guys know, I am not a physician. I have no medical training, so I'm not an expert in cancer. I'm not an expert in thyroid cancer, so I had to learn. I had to Google. I had to read. All cancer is not created equal. There are some cancers that are very localized that as long as you treat them, you can live a very long time. You can live live decades with some of these cancers as long as you go through the treatments responsibly and prevent the spread. There are other cancers that if you have them, you're basically screwed, such as pancreatic cancer. If you're found with pancreatic cancer, you can bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. You're not going to be living too long. There's the odd fluke case where someone does, but usually you're dead pretty quickly once that's found and there's really no way out of it. So it's a very wide range of cancers, and that I've known for a long time. But I did not know where thyroid cancer landed in that spectrum. But I learned, and I learned by going to the webpage of the American Cancer Society, you know, the same society that threw her out of their flop house in New York back in 2012. So first of all, that gives a clue right there that she's been dealing with this for 11 years. So anytime someone is dealing with a cancer for 11 years, that already makes it more likely to be one that is manageable. Now, it doesn't always mean it's manageable. There are some people who get uh, very serious cancers that just take a while to kill them. There's been people with brain cancer that have lived uh, for well over a decade. But usually when someone has dealt with cancer for over a decade... And when they still have a healthy appearance when you see them, and when they seem to be engaging in normal activities in life, usually they, it's something manageable. It's not good, it's not pleasant, but it's something manageable where you're, you're not on death's door. But I, that was just my theory, and I wanted to read more about it. So I read about it. I read about it on the American Cancer Society website. I have it on the Poker Fraud Alert forum and the thread about Jamie LeFay, but if you want to look at it yourself, just Google thyroid cancer and click on the cancer.org link and you can read all about it yourself. But basically, localized thyroid cancer, which is cancer of the thyroid, which has not spread, has a five-year survival rate of over 99.5%. And this is across all age groups. For people under 55, the survival rate is substantially higher. So basically, if you have thyroid cancer and it hasn't spread and you're responsibly having it monitored and removed, then you're basically not going to die from it. So you can live for a very long time with thyroid cancer. In fact, you could live a full life with thyroid cancer as long as you are taking care of it responsibly, which it appears that she is. Now, there are stages of thyroid cancer and there are stages which do spread to the rest of your body and will kill you. So is it possible that's what she has? Well, I can't say for sure. I'm not her doctor. I haven't seen her medical records. But let me read you from the stages of thyroid cancer webpage from, again, the American Cancer Society. Younger people have a low likelihood of dying from differentiated thyroid cancer. 
the stage groupings for these cancers take this fact into an account. So all people younger than 55 years old with these cancers are stage one if they have no distance spread and stage two if they have distance spread. Now, that's very important, that last sentence. Because just because it's in her lymph nodes doesn't mean it has what's known as distant spread. Distant spread is where it has left the area of your body where it showed up. And once it's done that, then you're starting to be in trouble because now it's, it's harder to get rid of because it's getting all over your body. So just because it's in the lymph nodes there, it's still considered stage one cancer. And from the American Cancer Society's own website, that those under 55 have a, quote, low likelihood of dying. And even across all age groups, stage one thyroid cancer has a five-year survival rate of over 99.5%. Not just 99.5, but over 99.5%. This is right from the American Cancer Society's page. And she's 43 years old, not even close to 55. And apparently she's had this for at least 11 years. So this is what it appears to be. Jamie has likely been dealing with early stage thyroid cancer since 2012 or so and has probably had it removed and treated more than once. And this was one of them. In February, she had adenomas removed, and it turned out that uh, according to that email at 1 p.m. on uh, March 4th that she posted, that indeed there was cancer. So that's unpleasant for her. That's not good to find. But this is something that has been found many times before, apparently. This is something that she's had treated many times before, and that's why she wasn't dead 11 years ago. That's why she's been dealing with this over a decade and was still healthy enough to go on to the hustler and play high stakes poker. And that's why there's all these pictures of her in bikinis all over her Instagram that were taken fairly recently doing activities all over the place. This is not someone who's lying sick in bed right now. She might be, but I'm talking about uh, over the last 11 years, she's been living like a normal person for the most part. And you can see that from her own Instagram. So this to me of course, I'm theorizing, I'm guessing, but I'm, I'm guessing using a lot of evidence that she posted herself, that it appears that she is one of these people with a low likelihood of dying that is perpetually at stage one thyroid cancer and is treating it whenever it comes up, whenever it shows up. And it's great that she's treating it. It's great that she's uh, keeping on top of these things. That's what I'd be doing, too. Now, does it suck for her that she has this, that she started getting this in her early 30s and is still dealing with this at 43 and will probably deal with it for the rest of her life? And there is a small but existent chance that it could get worse and kill her. Does this suck? Definitely. If I had this, I would be very upset. So I'm not trivializing it. This is a bad thing to have, especially at 43. It's not like she's 80. She's 43 and she's had this over a decade. So this sucks. This is a, a bad break for her, for sure. And this alone would be worthy of sympathy. This does not mean she's on death's door. This doesn't mean the surgery in February was uh, her fighting for her life. She doesn't need your 50K. She might like your 50K. She doesn't need your 50K. But this sucks. It's, it's a crappy thing to happen to a relatively young person. So I'll give her that. And if she was honest about it, if she just came forth on her GoFundMe and said, look, I've been dealing with this shit for over 10 years. I have to keep having these surgeries to take the cancer out of me, and then they have to rebuild the area because they're doing it in my thyroid. It's not like they're taking it out of my arm, so they have to do a lot of rebuilding, and it's very unpleasant, and it's painful, and there's, uh, there's recovery involved, and uh, this sucks. I'm not even an old person, and I, I just, I'm so tired of dealing with this, and I have to keep coming back every few years and doing it again, 
and it's just really lousy. Hey, guys, given all that, and you know, I'm doing it again right now, so I've done this several times. This is yet another operation for this. Can you find it within your heart to maybe give me a little bit here? Because I'm also financially struggling. So if you give me a little bit here, uh, you know, here's what I'm going through. And just be very open, honest, and transparent about it. Under her real name and have the GoFundMe started by the person who really starts it. So if her boyfriend starts it, say it's her boyfriend. Don't pretend it's your sister so you get more donations. Say it's your boyfriend who wrote up the whole thing, which he's now admitted to. And don't pretend you're in the hospitals for two extra days so when you argue on the internet you can get extra sympathy. Don't do that either. And don't use a fake name. Use your real name. You can explain. You can say, well, this is the name I like to use in poker, but my real name is Jamie Daniels. If she'd just been honest about the whole damn thing, I bet this would have been a successful GoFundMe. Why? Because the poker community has a lot of empathy and they're very generous. So the funny thing is her real story would have been good enough. It didn't need to have lies, but it had lies. It got embellished. It had lies. She told lies to cover up other lies. For some reason, she's still using a fake name when asking for the money. For some reason, she's pretending her sister started it when it was really her boyfriend using her sister's name. I don't care if the sister knew or not. That's not important. Her boyfriend admitted he wrote the whole thing up. Like, just lie after lie after lie. Some of them are not huge lies, but they're lies. Like, why? Why lie? It, it, all these things have an element of manipulation to them. That's the only reason you lie on these things, is to manipulate people into giving more, to being more willing to give. You've just got to be honest. Just put it out there and say, here's my deal. I've been dealing with this shit for over a decade. It sucks. I'm tired of it. I also don't have any money at the moment. Could you help me out a little bit? That's it. And then you would have gotten money. And you know what? I would not have said a damn thing because you would have been telling the truth. Because you know what? I'll tell you things I never claimed. I never claimed you didn't have cancer. I never claimed you weren't sick. I never claimed you weren't in the hospital. I never claimed the hospital pictures were fake. None of that did I ever claim. I claimed you were lying about things. I claimed you were embellishing things. I claimed you were saying you were in the hospital when you were not anymore. I claimed your sister did not write the text of that GoFundMe, even though you said she did. That's what I claimed. And you got mad at me for claiming it. You called me names. You called me awful things. You said I was torturing a woman lying in a hospital bed when you were not in a hospital bed. That is what caused this whole thing. I never said this was fake. But you know what? With everything I've learned here that is likely the case, here I am admitting it is likely that you have thyroid cancer and have had thyroid cancer for over 10 years and that they did find cancer in the adenomas they took out of you. Here I am admitting that is all likely to be true. But I still say that you don't deserve any of the poker community's money because you were not honest with us. You lied about too many things, even if the cancer part was true. But anyway, I've had a lot of people who have been messaging me, oh man, there's no way a doctor writes like that. People were thinking the doctor was writing too informally or that uh, the doctor wouldn't tell you this much on the MyChart app, that they would call you in and, and have the discussion with you in person. No, not necessarily, because she's had this for 11 years. This isn't like, oh my God, we found out this totally healthy person has cancer. This is, she's in there to get a procedure to have adenomas removed because she keeps getting cancer in her thyroid over and over for the past 11 years. So this this is more of the same. So 
the doctor is not going to go and say, Jamie, I know you're going to be shocked about this, but we just found out you have cancer. No, but she's been dealing with this for a long time. So while she did not want to hear that the adenomas that they removed were cancerous, that was unpleasant news, that was bad news, but it wasn't shocking news. If I go to the doctor because something's hurting or not feeling right or I feel sick, and then they come back with, hey, uh, the pathology says you have cancer, I'd be freaking out. Why? Because I have no sign of cancer in my body. So learning I have new cancer that didn't exist before, where I thought I didn't have cancer and I do, that would be very, very, very upsetting. It would be for me, it would be for you, it would be for anybody. If you've had cancer for 11 years, while finding out that uh, what they just took out of you is cancerous is unpleasant, it's not a shock. So that's why the doctor is willing to talk about this on the MyChart app back and forth like this, because he's not dropping devastating news on her. He's dropping sort of bad news about a procedure where they thought there was a fair chance this, this is what they would find. So that's why it's being talked about. It's something she's already familiar with. And then the second message, as I said, that one seemed to have been baited by her so he would write something that she could screenshot for Twitter. So here I am actually believing these emails are authentic. I actually think both emails that she posted were completely 100% authentic. Do I know that for certain? No. But do I believe it? Yes. I think a very high percentage chance that both those emails were authentic. One of them was kind of induced by baiting the doctor into saying it, but the doctor wrote to her, and these were things he actually wrote, I believe, and I believe he was telling the truth. Why wouldn't he be? So see, many people in my position would be fighting to prove these emails are BS, and a lot of people would believe it because it's a little bit weird the way these emails look, the way the doctor's just openly talking about these uh, thyroid cancers and uh, uh, the, the informal writing style and all that. Like A lot of people are like, hey, doctors don't write like that, and they do in this circumstance where it's already being discussed, where it's something they've been talking about for months. See, I want the facts. I want the facts, and then I want to unravel them so we can get the whole story as much as we can. We'll never get the complete whole story, but as much as we can here so we can see what's going on. So you guys see that when I see something like this, I don't just jump to the least charitable interpretation of whatever she posts. I, I say, let's get to the truth. But none of this truth here invalidates anything I was saying. Because every lie I accused her of telling, I still stand by that she was lying about. And that right there is why you don't give her money. That right there is what disqualifies her, no matter what her condition is. But she thinks every time she posts that, it's like a gotcha. Like, oh, look at this. I'm proving I'm proving Todd wrong. No, you're not. I never said that you don't have cancer. So you're not proving me wrong. And she knows very well what my criticism is because she's very aware of what she lied about. But she's trying to distract you from that. Okay, now let's go back a little bit. Let's go back in time a bit. Prior to when she had posted these doctor messages, there were two weird updates that appeared on her GoFundMe. And then a third one. Now, the first two were from her sister, supposedly. And the third one was from her boyfriend. The GoFundMe also changed. It used to say it was started by Julie Daniels. Now it says it was started by Julie Daniels and Dan Chen. Dan Chen being her boyfriend. And 
both Julie Daniels and Dan Chen are listed as the two members of the fundraising team. So it wasn't this way originally. Originally, it was just uh, Julie Daniels. But that's not the main point I wanted to bring up here. I want to read you the updates, both of which are gone. The third one's still up there, but the two Julie updates are both gone. But of course, they've been captured. They've been saved. Everything gets posted gets saved. So I have both updates here, and I will read them to you. Okay, here's the first one. This is on February 27th, supposedly by Julie Daniels. Jamie is currently staying close to her doctors where she can get the medical attention she needs. Okay, fact check, true, because she lives close to her doctors, so I, I guess that is not false. She is not able to chew much, so she is still limited on the food she can eat. Probably true. Jamie still has a drain tub in from the surgery that should be taken out this week, hopefully. The right side of her face does not have full movement yet. And, you know, this also might be true. You know, there is a recovery time to this. She did have a surgery that has a typical recovery time of at least two weeks, and it can be a little bit longer. So it's possible that these things are still happening. She works on this daily with exercises and stretching. Since she can't keep her eye closed in the shower and cannot take baths yet, her grooming is limited at this time. <laughs> why do we have to know that? Why, why do we care about her grooming? That's a weird thing to write. The emotional exhaustion she has received from these men who attacked her has left her crying every day. This is very detrimental to her recovery process. They report her GoFundMe almost every day as being fraud, even though she has given all her medical paperwork to everyone. Does this sound like something her sister would write? Like the beginning's fine. The, the beginning is her, her sister giving the update on how she's doing. <laughs> and then it gets into these men. These men. I wonder who these men are. These men. They're detrimental to her recovery process. And they attacked her. She's been crying every day. She's been crying every day, everybody. And they report her GoFundMe for being a fraud, even though she's given them all of her medical paperwork to everyone. Really? She's given all her medical paperwork to everyone? Then give it to me. I don't have all her medical paperwork. I don't know anyone who does. <laughs> she posted the front page of her discharge paperwork, which proved that she was lying about her discharge date. And she posted these two messages from the doctor, which came after this update. So she hadn't even posted that yet. So maybe she's given all her medical paperwork to everyone. She's given one page to everyone. GoFundMe cannot be called and talked to, so everything has to go through weeks of email. If you really want to donate to her and get updates, please Venmo her instead and follow her personally on her Twitter. Oh, okay. okay. So, so now you see. Now you see the point here. She was worried with all these chargebacks that were occurring. Because remember, the chargebacks were occurring about four days prior to this update. So she sees these chargebacks, and she was probably worried that GoFundMe was not going to pay her because she hadn't gotten the money out yet. So this update was basically first letting you know how awful she feels physically, then talking about how these men are putting her through all this torture, even though she's shown... All of her medical paperwork to everyone. It's completely false, completely a lie. And then we can't really talk to GoFundMe. There's no way to call them. So why don't you just send the money on Venmo instead? Because, you know, that's harder to get the money back. <laughs> Clever. So that was posted. Then uh, that was deleted. And a new update was also posted by Julie Daniels on February 28th, the following day. 
Sadly, quote, these men are still harassing Jamie today when they know this is a very real medical issue of cancer needing a very severe surgery. They are harassed both Jamie and her boyfriend. Again, that's not me misspeaking. They are harassed both Jamie and her boyfriend. I feel extremely grateful that they haven't gotten a hold of my information to harass me too. Now, hold on a second. Hang on. That's the weirdest line in this whole thing. They are harassed, both Jamie and her boyfriend. I feel extremely grateful that they haven't gotten a hold of my information to harass me too. Hmm. Do you think her sister would write that? you think her sister would basically be challenging these men to get her information to harass her too? It's not like she's just stating, oh, Jamie and her boyfriend are being harassed. Which, by the way, uh, where's the evidence of that? I know I have not harassed Jamie or her boyfriend. I know that the people who have been on my side on Twitter, the main people like Luke Vrabel and this cookie monster, I know they haven't been doing it. So who's been doing it? And where's the evidence of this? And where's the police report? Because there should be a police report, right? If they're, they're both getting harassed. Where is this stuff? And I even tweeted that to her, and of course she didn't answer me. Or she did answer me. She answered about some other bullshit, but she, she ignored the police report thing because there is no police report. There probably is no harassment. I can't say for sure there's no harassment because I don't know every single person on Twitter, but uh, I can tell you I'm not aware of any harassment, and I think it's unlikely. I don't even think any of these people know specifically where she is. They know she's in San Francisco, but that's about it. But the sister writing, I feel extremely grateful they haven't gotten a hold of my information to harass me too, is a weird thing to write if you're her sister. Because if you're Julie Daniels, by the way, Julie Daniels is not even her real sister. It's actually her sister-in-law from what I can see. Not even her current sister-in-law. I believe it's the ex-wife of her brother. But putting that aside, if Julie Daniels is watching Jamie and her boyfriend getting harassed, you think she wants to invite the harassers to bother her too. You think she's going to write, I'm grateful they haven't found me yet. What, so that so they look for you now? Like, why would you write that? Why would you even give them the idea? Why wouldn't you just write, they are harassing Jamie and her boyfriend and leave it at that? Why would you say, oh, I'm, ha- I'm glad they haven't found me yet? <laughs> so that's very suspicious. They have threatened Jamie and her boyfriend. Oh, really? How? Threatened them with what? That's not provided. It's not shown. There's no proof shown. Jamie's never posted any evidence of any threats. Again, it's just nonsense being spewed out there for sympathy. They told Jamie they wouldn't take down their slanderous posts and comments unless she deleted her Twitter account. Okay, now that I know about because I didn't do it. But Cookie Monster had a very civil conversation with her boyfriend, Dan, attempting to kind of put an end to this whole thing. He was trying to say to Dan, hey, you know, how about you guys just kind of come clean about everything and and then I'll, I'll see if I can talk to Todd and see if he can ease off about this. And I, I had no knowledge he was doing this, by the way. He, he told me about this later. But he was trying to be like a negotiator here to try to get them to you know, kind of own up to the fact that they weren't totally honest about everything. But, but at the same time, just say, hey, look, you know, she really does have cancer. Sorry about us. Uh, not being completely truthful about everything, but uh, and, and you know nothing against those who called it out. We understand why they did, and you know he was hoping that kind of both sides would just agree to get past this. And he was trying to negotiate with Dan to do that again, not with my knowledge at all, but he was doing it. 
nothing wrong with him trying to do that. I thought that was uh, noble of him trying to get this done. But anyway, at one point, he made a suggestion that uh, Jamie should leave Twitter. That that would be best for her. Because you know she's trying to heal. She supposedly is so stressed out and crying every day that, that her leaving Twitter would probably be the best thing. And, and it got twisted into this. So I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole because it's involving third parties, but that that's what's meant by that. It's about the... Uh, they won't take down their slanderous posts and comments unless she deleted her Twitter account. That's such BS. Like He wasn't saying, okay, Jamie, you've got a choice. Either leave Twitter forever or I'm going to keep slandering you. <laughs> what? He never said that. Never. And I, I know because Dan actually went and posted what was uh, said between them in their private conversation. Cookie Monster didn't. Dan posted it. So you could see right there what was said. And it wasn't, uh, you know, you better get off Twitter or I'm going to keep slandering you. That's not at all what he was saying. So totally twisted there. Jamie has asked for the help of GoFundMe and is talking to attorneys. Oh, really? Okay, which attorneys? Really, which attorneys? Who is she talking to? What is she talking to them for? (laughs) Where is the civil or criminal violation here? I'm still trying to understand. So if you post a GoFundMe and you lie on it, people are not allowed to say so? People can't point it out? I don't understand why that's not allowed. I don't understand why under California law you can't do that. But she's supposedly talking to attorneys. Jamie should be seeking help from her cancer team and talking to doctors, but instead she has had constant harassment. What? Where? Where's she getting constant harassment? On Twitter? From people doubting her? Because she lied? Well, there's a solution. I, I hate to sound like cookie monster but there's a solution if this is preventing you from seeking help from your cancer team then don't go on freaking twitter because if you lie to people on twitter and they're mad that you lied to them and there's people discussing your lies and calling you out and asking you to explain those lies and you're getting very stressed out and saying oh my god i can't heal well what's the solution either one come clean or two uh maybe take a break from twitter i don't mean delete your account i mean maybe take a break from twitter people take breaks from twitter all the time Chicago Joey, who was uh, very active on Twitter at one point, he took a long break from Twitter somewhat recently. So why, why can't she just turn off Twitter for a little bit of time? Even if she doesn't disable her account, just just stop going on there. But no, she's like tweeting every day. A lot of the tweets were bashing me. In fact, uh, one of the things she did, to show you how aggressive she is here, and she's not just uh, this poor girl who's trying to heal that's getting harassed, the Global Poker Awards, which we're going to talk about later tonight, they started a, uh, a thread about the awards that were coming up that night. Obviously, nothing to do with Jamie or her GoFundMe or me or anything. Neither myself nor Jamie were part of the Global Poker Awards. But she trolled me in the Global Poker Awards thread. I kid you not. She she made like a, a troll post about me in that thread where I was not even posting. So so what is this? She just wants to heal. She's getting constant harassment. She's harassing me. Scroll through her Twitter and you will see tons of messages bashing me. Far more than I'm writing. In fact, I just went quiet for a few days regarding her and I wasn't talking about her at all. 
I finally did again because I had to defend myself again. But I, I let this go for several days without saying a word about her. And she's just every day Todd this, Todd that. And then she goes to the Global Poker Index uh, thread about their awards and bashes me there, even though I'm not part of that thread or part of that awards program. So I don't know why she went in there to bash me. She's like going all over the internet bashing me and then complaining she's getting harassed. And if you don't believe me, go take a look. But she, she supposedly can't be seeking help from her cancer team because she's had constant harassment that she won't describe or provide any evidence as occurring. People questioning your lies are not harassing you. And you know what? The only forum they are using to do it, well, there's two forums. There's the Poker Fraud Alert Forum, and then there's Twitter. So very simple. Don't read Poker Fraud Alert, and don't read Twitter while you're healing. What do you mean you can't get help from your cancer team? She goes into the hospital. Hey, um, I'm looking to get some help for my cancer recovery here. I'm uh, trying to recover from this last procedure. Uh, Ma'am, you need to get out here. You've been getting harassed by Todd and his friends. (laughs) What the hell is she talking about? What the hell is she talking about? These were supposedly written by Julie. Now, isn't it weird that Julie will write these scathing... Updates on there, bashing, quote, these men. We're not named, but she means me. She means Cookie Monster. She means uh, Slay Dog. And she means anybody else, like some of these guys from Spokane that have been critical of her as well from her past there. Why does Julie only present herself there, but not anywhere else? Not on Twitter? She's never posted once on Facebook from what we can see. We have seen Julie's Facebook We haven't seen one post about Jamie or the GoFundMe on there. Julie has never made any video or taken any picture to show that this is really her who's behind all this stuff. But yet she's writing these two scathing updates. So she'll communicate on there and somehow her writing style is incredibly like Jamie's. But she won't communicate anywhere else or show that she has something to do with this. Hmm... What do you guys think? Who do you think really wrote those two updates? You think it was Julie? I don't think so. I have a feeling that if we checked the IP that was connecting to GoFundMe to write these things, I have a feeling we will be seeing it resolved to the home where Jamie was staying and not to Idaho where Julie lives. What do I think about Julie? Do I think that she has any involvement here or even knows about it? Well, that is a great question. I don't know. I'm kind of 50-50 on this one. About half of me thinks that Julie just has no idea (laughs) and Jamie's just using her name and has just never told her. And half of me thinks that Julie is aware of this but just doesn't have an idea of the extent of it and isn't getting involved. Maybe she was called and like, hey, you know, can we start a GoFundMe on your account because it'll look better coming from a family member. And Julie's like, okay, yeah, sure. Oh, by the way, there's going to be some trolls harassing you. Just ignore them. Okay, I will if I get any contact. Okay, bye. Like that that may be the extent of it. But I find it very unlikely that Julie wrote these two things and yet won't present herself anywhere and won't comment anywhere on social media and won't even share the GoFundMe on her own social media. But these are both gone. You won't find them on the GoFundMe anymore because they're both gone. These got deleted. Instead... It was replaced by something from Dan Chen. Now, this one from Dan Chen, I believe, is from Dan Chen because it is a very different and better writing style than Jamie's. I believe Dan Chen is educated 
And he writes like someone who went to college. He writes like someone who is at least fairly intelligent. And Jamie's writing kind of comes off of the as ramblings of a crazy person and someone who uh, wasn't all that well-educated. That's just what I get from looking at all of her writing, not just about this, like even way before all this cancer stuff that happened recently. Just you look at her Twitter and her writing style. It just isn't very eloquent. It's not very sophisticated, where Dan's writing style is a lot more sophisticated. And you can see this. There's a very clear difference between the two writing styles. So Dan then posted an update. And again, I believe it was him. The first two were written the exact same style Jamie uses, even though it's supposedly Julie. But here's Dan's update. From Dan. First, to everyone who supported Jamie so far, thank you so much for your generosity. There's still a lot, a lot of unknowns going forward, and the help with financial stability makes a world of difference. Quick update. We met with a surgical team today, and recovery's on track, though everything will still take time. Good news. The pain is slowly subsiding, and Jamie's beginning to recover the ability to use her face. Bad news. Jamie continues to wake up one to two nights two times a night in pain and there's still a lot of swelling and she's still unable to walk more than a few feet at a time they remove part of her leg to help with the facial reconstruction stuff okay you know i don't know maybe this is all true by the way if you're in pretty bad pain and you're waking up one or two times a night that's good (laughs) i know this because i've had some pain i haven't even discussed this out here recently but i've had some on and off pain issues where when I get a flare-up of it, I'm waking up a hell of a lot more than once or twice. I, I, I have a hard time sleeping. I'm waking up over and over and over with this pain I've been getting. And one or two times a night when I get one of these flare-ups, I, I'd be thrilled to get that. So one to two times a night is not that bad. But I, I don't know about the not being able to walk and the, and the removing part of her leg to uh, do the reconstruction. I know there was reconstruction done, from the area they had to remove for the getting the adenomas out. So you know, it's possible that this is true or partially true or mostly true. I'd go with probably mostly true, my guess. Overall, sounds like we just need to take things one day at a time, and eventually things will improve, even if that ends up taking a few months. Again, thank all of you for your support. We're truly grateful, despite the hate and anger this campaign has attracted. Many thanks, Dan, Julie, and Jamie. Okay, Dan, I got a question for you. Whose fault is it that this campaign has attracted hate and anger? Because I was asking questions. I did not approach this in a hateful or insulting fashion. I approached this in a, hmm, there's some lies here and I can prove them fashion. Can you explain this? And I got a lot of hate and anger in return. That's the way it happened. So... If you're going to tell lies in your GoFundMe and in your tweets about the GoFundMe and you can pretend to be in the hospital for two extra days when you're not really there so you can get extra sympathy and you're going to live tweet from the hospital when you're not really there anymore, yeah, that's going to attract some, quote, hate and anger, especially when you push back on these people who criticize it and call them names and make all these awful allegations against them. So that's why there's the hate and anger. It's not because poor Jamie just wants some money because she has cancer. But anyway, as you can see, this was written with not only a more sophisticated tone, but it was also written with a much less unhinged tone. Yeah, he threw that line in at the end about the hate and anger, but compare this to this rambling thing I read you from, quote, Julie. And by the way, the things from Julie were all in like one big run-on paragraph, and the 
update from Dan was spaced out very well and very easy to read. And I will let you compare the two writing styles to Jamie's tweets and you can figure out if you think she may have written the first two. Okay, so moving on to the next uh, subtopic here. Let's discuss why we really have not heard anything from any prominent poker players about this whole matter, pro or against. That's the weird thing, is that when there's a big controversy on Twitter, everybody wants to weigh in, including the big names. You have everybody putting in their two cents. Like, let's compare this. I know this is a, a smaller story, but let's compare this to Robbie Jade Lou. Every single freaking person in poker wanted to talk about Jack Four and Robbie Jade Lou and whether she cheated and whether she didn't cheat and whether Garrett was appropriate or whether Garrett was an asshole or whether we can trust Hustler Casino Live. I mean, everybody wanted to give their two cents. Everybody jumped on that one. And even if you want to take a much smaller story, like the one going on today about that Odin training tool, which I, I can tell you in a few weeks no one's going to give a shit about, but that's the story of the day. We have a lot of big names commenting on this. We have a lot of articles being written and blogs being written already about this. So even smaller stories like that attract a lot of the big names to talk about it. And you get also podcasts and these YouTube shows done about these topics. But you know what? It didn't happen here. There were no other poker shows, to my knowledge, that discussed this Jamie GoFundMe situation. Even though it was a big, big fight on Twitter, enough to where people were even talking about how there's drama on Twitter, how there's a lot of fighting on Twitter, how Twitter is very stressful. We were seeing some of those very general comments from people, but we were not seeing any podcasts or YouTube shows mentioning it. We saw very few articles in the poker news media. There were two articles. One was about uh, Luke Vrabel getting banned from Twitter for f using foul language, and it mentioned how it had to do with this. And then we also saw another article that was kind of briefly going over the little spat that was occurring between Jamie and me and the other detractors of hers, but it didn't go into very much detail and it didn't take any position and it didn't really present any facts. It was just kind of like, okay, well, they're fighting about this and uh, that's unfortunate. That was, that was kind of the tone of that article. So why has there been no journalism about this? Why has there been no podcasts about this or YouTube shows? Why is this being ignored? And why is nobody coming out on Twitter who's prominent or even semi-prominent and talking about this? We're just not seeing it either way. And they're aware of it, trust me, because I've gotten DMs from some very big names in poker. I'm not going to say who, because they're DMing me for a reason, meaning they don't want to throw themselves in publicly. But I've gotten DMs from some very big names in poker, some of whom haven't talked to me in a very long time. And they ask me about this. Why is nobody asking about it publicly? Why isn't anyone commenting about this publicly if they have any kind of prominence in poker? I'm not talking about a bunch of kind of fringe people who are fans of poker that also happen to be on Twitter and like commenting on things. I'm talking about big or medium or even small to medium names in poker. Why are all of them staying away from this? Because, hey, Jamie has cancer. She's asking for money. There were some people who were accusing her of malfeasance in the whole thing. 
wouldn't you think these people would have a take either way? But they don't. Why not? Did the cat get their tongue? Do they lack the ability to form an opinion on this and this only? How come they have so much to say about everything else, but not this? Why do you guys think? Why has there been like no coverage of that topic aside from me? And aside from people on Twitter, who most of whom are not uh, very big names in poker. Why has this been localized to people who are not really prominent for the most part? I'll tell you why. Because they know the truth. Because they see this as shady. Because they see there were lies. But they also see that there was a woman who seems to have actually been in the hospital that might, and I'll agree, probably does have cancer. And yet, this is someone who doesn't have the best reputation and someone who probably lied and embellished a bunch. So they just don't want to get involved. They don't want to say anything. Think about all the very strong female advocates in poker, the ones who are female themselves and that are very, very aggressive when it comes to fighting for women's rights in poker. Ones who are always talking about female in poker that, female in poker this. Always supportive of other females in poker. Well, we have a female in poker here who has cancer, who has a GoFundMe. Why aren't these women supporting her? Hmm. Don't you wonder? Where's the support? Where's the people saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to put my big name behind this and Todd is wrong. This is totally legit. There were no lies here. He's full of shit. You should all donate. You're not seeing it. And the reason you're not seeing it is because they know. But then you might say, well, if they know, why don't they say something? Well, because you see what's happening to me. A lot of people are getting all over my case because I dared say anything about someone who is in the hospital and says they have cancer and is asking for money. That's a verboten topic. You cannot criticize that. We must just blindly open our wallets and give if the word cancer is in the GoFundMe. That's the way some people see it. And a lot of people, they're looking at this and going, you know what? This doesn't look right to me. We think there's probably a lot of things that probably were not the truth, even if she does have cancer. We don't want to give anything, but we don't want to promote it. And we don't want to call anything out and enter the hornet's nest. So we're just going to stand back and stay away. If you think I'm exaggerating, if you think I'm not being truthful about this, I want to have you play a little game. Think of any known name in poker who tweets. I'm not talking about someone who barely tweets. I'm not talking about like Phil Ivey. I'm, I'm talking about someone who does tweet a lot, who also is a big name in poker. And then tell me what opinion they have expressed about this matter. They're aware of it. Trust me, that was the biggest story on poker Twitter for some time. Not so much anymore, but it was. It was very recently, and it dragged on for some time. So why are we not seeing them talk about it? Just think. Think to yourself. Do this exercise. Think about some big names in poker that are actively on Twitter, and then tell me a single thing that they have said about this. And even those that may have originally shared this because they believed it to just be a poor woman with cancer who needed some help, after there was the backlash, how come they all went silent? 
Now, maybe you'll say, well, because maybe they're afraid of you, Todd. Maybe they're afraid of Luke Vrabel. Maybe they're afraid of this Cookie Monster guy. Maybe they don't want your wrath. And my answer to that is bullshit, because a lot of these people are very contentious on Twitter. A lot of these people are plenty willing to fight. And in fact, they have big followings. They have very big followings. So if you fight with one of these people, one of these people who are a lot more prominent than I am, uh, yeah, they're going to have a ton of supporters that are going to get all over your case just because you're fighting with their favorite poker personality. So these people are not afraid to call me out or call Luke out or call Cookie Monster out if we're saying things about Jamie that are not true. They're not afraid to speak their minds if we are critical of someone who doesn't deserve such criticism. But they're not. They're not. Think of any big name in poker, and they're not doing it. Even the most controversial of them, even the ones that speak their mind the most and don't care who they piss off, they're not touching this one with a 10-foot pole because it's a woman who is in the hospital or was in the hospital with cancer and is asking for 50K, but also doesn't seem to be telling the truth about everything. It's a very tough one for them to comment on. So they just let someone else deal with it. Let Dandruff deal with it. Let Dandruff obsess over this one. Let him take the brunt of it. We're not getting involved, they think. Now, they're not expected to get involved. People have their choice whether they wish to get involved or not. Even I had to make that choice, as I said at the beginning of this episode. But the silence here says a lot. Because if I were wrong, you'd have a lot of women in her corner, a lot of prominent women. I don't mean a few odd feminists here and there who just take her side because she's female and because I'm male and automatically that makes her right in their mind. I'm talking about prominent women in poker with respected names. There's a lot of them. You can think of some. Why are they not commenting? Why aren't they supporting their sister in poker who has cancer? Why aren't they encouraging donations? Why aren't they donating themselves? I mean, yeah, we had Nadia, but even she went quiet. But take away Nadia. Who who do you have? What prominent women in poker are supporting her in this? What prominent men in poker are supporting her in this? Nobody. I mean, I can't think of anybody. That says a lot. Because it was a big story. And even people who are very, very, very opinionated had nothing to say. And that is what is known as the silent majority. The silent majority stays silent because if they speak out, there will be consequences for speaking out. But they have their opinion, and they stay silent, and a lot of times their silence indicates their opinion. It's common sense. Because if she's being wrongly accused here, if she's being wrongly questioned, well, then it's very easy for these people, especially the women, to step forward and say, no, Todd, you're being a freaking jerk. You have no right to question this. She's been very transparent and open and honest, and, uh, You're wrong. You're wrong about the things that you are posting. These allegations that you've made are simply not true. Now, I don't see how they could say that because I proved them. But uh, if that's how they felt, that's what they'd say. But they're not saying it because they know that I'm not wrong. Because believe me, if I were to come at a woman in poker unfairly, 
there would be a lot of women who would jump to their defense. They'd be all over me. They'd be bashing me real hard. And a lot of men coming to the defense, too. It's not happening. You're getting trolls. You're getting incels. You're getting simps. You're getting radical feminists all doing it for their own personal reasons. But these are not prominent people. These are just randoms on Twitter. I'm talking about where are the prominent players? Why is this just not being covered? Think about other shows, other poker shows that you may listen to or watch. How come this is not being covered? You wonder? How come? If these were to be false allegations, this would be covered. But it's not being covered. I think you know why. And by the way, I hope you appreciate this show for that reason. I hope you appreciate the forum for that reason, because it's going on there too. I hope you appreciate my willingness to do this because I took a lot of shit for this and I continue to take shit for this. And believe me, in the last few weeks, there have been times where I felt like maybe I should not have gotten involved because it was a big pain in my ass. And I have a lot of weirdos who are uh, writing all kinds of awful things about me now who didn't know me before or didn't care about me before. So what did I gain from this? Nothing. Really, I, I really gain nothing. I have a not-for-profit site, a not-for-profit show that both of them lose money every year. I can prove it. I have no ads. I'm not trying to become a star of any kind. I'm an older guy. I'm, I don't really have a, a future on social media of being a viral star. I think you guys know that. So what did I gain from this? What could I have gained? I was just trying to help. I was just trying to call out things I saw that I knew were likely to be lies and were. So I hope you guys can appreciate this. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or fish for compliments or fish for gratitude. I'm just trying to tell you that take a look and no one else is saying anything except for uh, the ones I mentioned. You know, props to Luke. You may not like his tactics. You may think Luke is, is crass and sometimes he is. Both of these guys did great work. Both of these guys were willing to call this out and deal with the backlash. Even if you don't like one or both of them. I like them both, but I'm just saying, even if you don't like either of them, they put their neck out there before even I did. So props to them for doing that because, look, most people did not want to get involved. Most people just wanted to keep their mouths shut and if, you know, if the GoFundMe happened to raise... Over 50K based somewhat on uh, lies? Well, so be it. Not their problem. But I said something. You ever heard the phrase from the 9-11 era, if you see something, say something? Well, that was the approach I took here. That's the approach they took here. But that was not the approach that most names in poker took. That's not the approach that the rest of poker media took. That's why Poker Fraud Alert is the one form of poker media that does not shy away from anything. Think about any story that's out there. We cover it, even ones that others won't cover. And this is definitely a great example of that. Now, I'm not saying I don't miss any stories, and there are sometimes stories brought to me where I ask the person, well, what proof do you have? Well, I don't really have any, or I have some, but I can't give it to you. And I go, okay, well, then I can't cover it. I'm not going to just go make allegations against someone with nothing to back it. So those I won't cover. 
And there's other stories that just don't find out about. I also have only so much time in the day. And I'm not getting paid for this. But I hope at least you appreciate my willingness to do this. Because believe me, the motivations are not selfish. This was a negative for me. It really was. In fact, I was riding kind of high as far as my reputation went. I, I was riding high on a bunch of things I did which were very uncontroversial, such as getting Mandy her 250K on Ignition or being the lead poker player investigating the whole BetMGM bank theft scandal and advising everyone on that or getting people their money back that was stolen out of their accounts on ACR. These are all things I did last year and people applauded me. I got very, very nice comments from a lot of people for these actions because they, they were non-controversial. They were very straightforward and nobody could take the other side. This one wasn't so simple. This one was likely to get me a lot of hate from people who either were just going to automatically take the other side because of the identity of the people involved or ones who just didn't have the logical thinking capability to look beyond that or look beyond that somebody who has cancer could still be lying and could still be manipulating. Some people just don't have that capability to think that critically, which is sad. They should, but they don't. Some people see woman in hospital bed saying she has cancer and their critical thinking just grinds to a halt right there. So I knew I would probably get backlash from this and I got way more than I even thought was possible. I got a lot of backlash. It wasn't fun. I'm still getting backlash. So I hope you appreciate it because just think of everybody else who's in poker on Twitter, aside from a few people, they're not touching it with a 10-foot pole. GoFundMe has paid Jamie according to posts that she made where she was bragging about this. And I believe it. Again, this is something I don't think is falsified. I believe she really has gotten paid. And she was trumpeting this because she was claiming that it vindicated her. She was claiming that GoFundMe investigated the situation and cleared her, that they saw that she was telling the truth and that they're paying her. She showed the screenshot that they're paying her. And therefore, it proves that Jamie was right and Todd and friends were wrong. That was her narrative, basically. Not the exact words, but that's basically what she was putting out there. So what's my response to that? Because I I do concede that she was paid by GoFundMe. I concede that the screenshots were likely real. But why does that not mean anything? Well, because GoFundMe does not investigate to that level. GoFundMe, to be honest, is really full of scams. There's tons of scams on GoFundMe. There's tons of semi-scams on GoFundMe. Semi-scams meaning that the person isn't outright making up the story, but they're taking a story and very much embellishing it, much more than Jamie's even done here. I mean, people really, really, really embellishing things. And then asking people to send money. And you know what? These are successful. GoFundMe does not bother to adjudicate these matters unless they can see that a very obvious scam has taken place or that a very obvious violation of their terms of service has taken place, they do not get in the middle of the truthfulness or lack thereof of the campaign. 
So GoFundMe is never going to say, send us your medical records. We want to review them and see if you really have cancer. Or send us your medical records that show you were really in the hospital on the date you say. Or prove that this GoFundMe was written by your sister and not your boyfriend on your sister's account. They're not going to check into any of this. GoFundMe is not going to say, hey, we've had an allegation that you were discharged from the hospital on the 19th, but you were live tweeting hospital pictures on the 20th, 21st. What gives with that? They're never going to ask these questions. That's not what they do. Why? Because GoFundMe is there for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to make money. Because they take a piece of every donation that is made through their platform, and that's how they support themselves. That's how the business works. So when they deem a campaign to be fraudulent, what they do is they close it down. They refund everybody. So that's not to their benefit because then they don't get the commission. So GoFundMe, it is in their advantage to deem a campaign as legitimate. Also, keep in mind, her campaign was never suspended. Now, something I didn't mention before was that they actually temporarily suspended the donations, right? When they were asking for the Venmo, they temporarily suspended the donations. Supposedly, Julie did this right after that first update. They undid that a few hours later. But I think they were fearing that it was going to get closed. So they suspended donations and were hoping people would do it through Venmo. And then they decided to reverse that whole thing and open it back up. But this was voluntary. GoFundMe never suspended that account. GoFundMe never suspended that campaign. So there was nothing to really, quote, investigate. Even if people were making reports, that doesn't matter because it never got closed down. And when people do make reports, GoFundMe doesn't really care unless it is a really, really blatant scam. And unless the person who is alleging the blatant scam has evidence it's a blatant scam. So even if you were to write to GoFundMe and say, oh, Jamie's totally faking it. She's not in the hospital. She doesn't have cancer. Even if you were to write that, GoFundMe wouldn't shut her down and they wouldn't demand her medical records. They would just say, okay, well, we're throwing this email in the virtual trash can because this provides no proof. So really, GoFundMe is not investigating anything. And when they approve you for a cash out, That does not mean that everything in your GoFundMe was true. It just means you've sent them whatever ID documents you have to send them, and they clear it. And that's it. The GoFundMe support staff, which I believe is mostly not even U.S.-based, believe me, these are not top-notch private detectives. (laughs) You don't have uh, Jim Rockford working for GoFundMe for $200 a day plus expenses trying to figure out if people are lying. If they did that, they'd have like no customers because there's tons of scammy GoFundMes. Tons of those. Those people get paid as well. So really it means nothing. The fact that she got paid, all that means is she submitted the right ID requirements to prove who she is. And that was basically that. She claimed, oh, I had to submit a bunch of stuff to them to prove it. It's bullshit. That's not what they do. That's not what GoFundMe does. And in fact, a guy who, I forgot his name, but some guy, I I don't even know him, but he was calling her out for this when she posted the GoFundMe. And she started calling him a weirdo and a bunch of other names. And he said back, you know what? I see why people don't like you and don't trust you. 
because I'm, I'm just pointing out things I know to be facts about GoFundMe and, and you're attacking me like this. Because the guy basically said, well, you know, I don't know who's right or wrong in this whole mess, but you claiming that GoFundMe paying you is some kind of vindication that you were telling the truth, that's just not the case. That's not how they work. And you can research it if you want. You can research and you'll see that GoFundMe does not do uh, in-depth investigations on medical campaigns that run on their site. Now I'm going to play you a little video from Dan Chen that he posted on March 3rd. This is the first time I ever heard his voice. And he posted this to show that he is real, which I've never doubted. Other people have doubted, but I never doubted. The very first time I got a PM from him, before he even presented himself publicly, I thought he was real because he had a very, very different writing style from Jamie. And in fact, his writing style was too good for her to fake. You can dumb down your writing style. You can't make it smarter. So, so right there, I knew that Dan was real. And indeed he is. And fortunately, even though this is an audio show, you're not going to miss anything because he did not show his face on the video. Even though he sent me a picture of himself when he first contacted me. So I do have a picture of him. I've never posted it, but I do have a picture of him. But for some reason, I guess he trusts me not to post it, <laughs> so even after everything has happened here. Uh, and so he's not showing his face, but here's the video, which is really just audio, and it's really weird red background, almost like he's making it from hell. Hey, so this is Dan. I'm recording a video. Um, frankly, it's a little bit insane to me at this point that people still believe that Jamie's lying about Julie's involvement and how I was involved in the GoFundMe. Uh, also, pretty insane to me that there's questions or lack of understanding around why we want to keep private and not let people know who we are, given the insanity that's happened over the past week. Okay, let me stop right there. I understand why you don't want to be known who you are. I guess now you are at least public with your name, but you're not showing your face. Okay, fine. But Jamie's the one asking for $50,000. So again, if you want $50,000, you have to put out your real name. You have to be transparent. You have to be honest. And if you can't do that, then don't ask strangers for $50,000. It's very simple. With, I mean, frankly, multiple people being attacked and harassed and stalked online. Uh, at the very least, we know several individuals who help stand up for Jamie and who then had had their employers contacted by random members on the internet. Uh, so, you know, forgive Julie and I for not wanting people to know who we are. Uh, all of that said... Yeah, see, there's more of this, oh, we're getting harassed, oh, people who are supporting Jamie are getting harassed. All these just baseless claims that Jamie, this guy, and her supporters are just being victimized. Just, just for speaking out on her behalf and just for her asking for this 50K... Very mean and awful people are victimizing them in all kinds of nasty and inappropriate ways. Does this make any sense? Does it make any sense at all? Or you think that some of this might be made up, embellished, or you might be getting half the story? I, I don't know how to say this more definitively other than like, I came up with the idea. I reached out to Julie to put this together. She was totally cool with it. And frankly, like at the time while we were coming up with this idea and putting it all together, Jamie was still in the hospital. She was recovering. Uh, she was pretty heavily medicated and unable to do this by herself. So I, I don't know how much clearer I can make this point. Uh, will this change anybody's opinion? I, I have no idea, but wanted to record this publicly. And uh, again, like 
not going to show my face, not going to show Julie's face. There's no reason anybody on the internet should have that information. What, what are you talking about? Dan, you sent me your face. I haven't posted it, but you sent me your face. You also got on a video with Cookie Monster. I know that too. So he has your face. Julie is on Facebook. And we have her Facebook. She's not hard to find. So we see her face. So what do you mean you're not going to show Julie's face? You're not going to show your face? I don't understand here. What do you think you're hiding? Who are you hiding from? We have all this and we're not doing anything with it. Who cares what you look like or what Julie looks like? We just like to see Julie present herself and say, hey, yeah, I was really behind all this too and mean it. <laughs> but she, she won't even post the campaign on her own Facebook. Isn't that weird when you are starting a 50K GoFundMe for your supposed sister and you don't post it on your own Facebook? Isn't that really weird? And you're only aiming at poker people? And oh, then her boyfriend comes forward and says, oh, I, actually, I wrote all the text of this? Now, he's also made this claim multiple times, not just here, that he did all this without Jamie's knowledge, that she was completely knocked out on meds from the procedure, and that either she was completely unaware he was starting this and she just woke up to it, or she was really, really out of it and barely knew what was going on, and he did the whole thing. And I have two answers for that, and that would be bull and shit. I don't believe that for a second. Now, I do believe he wrote it, because if you look at the writing style of the GoFundMe, which by the way, is very different than Jamie's writing style and very different from, quote, Julie's writing style. But it looks like Dan's writing style. So I believe he wrote it. With the poker terminology, with his writing style, I believe he wrote it. I believe that part. I've said that the whole way. Once he said he wrote it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But I am very doubtful about the level of Julie's involvement. Not that it really matters. That's the whole funny thing here is who gives a shit? Who gives a shit if Julie started it or if Dan started it or if Jamie started it? It's all the same fucking thing. It's all, hey, gave, give Jamie money. Who cares who's asking for it, right? It's just the whole dishonesty and the subterfuge with the identities of who started this. Like, why are you lying to us about this? Why all the deception? Why write it in Julie's name, Dan, when you're the one writing it? So that, that's what I mean. That's what I've meant the whole way. It's just weird. It didn't really matter who started it. It's just the fact that you're lying about who started it is very weird. So anyway, that was Dan's statement. And I did try to reason with Dan one more time. I was trying to message him on Twitter, public Twitter, so people could see it. But I was messaging him and I was asking, once again, kind of like what Cookie Monster was asking, if he'd like to get on a phone call with me and if we could find a way to wind all this down. But he didn't want to have that conversation because I told him when I was tweeting to him about it that I'd be happy to encourage winding this whole thing down, but I was not going to apologize about anything and I was not going to say I was wrong about anything because I wasn't. Because if I were to come out and say I was wrong, one, I would be lying, and two, I would be destroying my own credibility. Because I put my own name and reputation on the line by calling out something like this that had the very big possibility for backlash. So if I do that and it turns out I'm wrong, I look awful. So the only way I'm going to come out and say I was wrong is if I was really wrong. But if I'm not wrong, I'm not going to say it just to make the peace. But that doesn't mean that 
this has to go on forever. So I, what I was going to offer to do is if they calm everyone down on their end and just say, hey, look, you know, we understand why Todd was skeptical and why Luke was skeptical and why Cookie Monster was skeptical and why others were skeptical, then I could come back and say, you know, this, this whole thing could be done. So I basically offered to Dan to wind everything down and basically both sides just agree to stop trashing each other and him and Jamie agreeing that they uh, shouldn't have gotten on my case like this, but it's not going to happen. They don't want to talk to me directly one-on-one, and I don't mean in person. We could do it on the phone. They don't want to talk to me directly because they know that I know they lied and they know I'm never going to come out and say, oh, you know what? I was wrong. They didn't lie. I'm not going to say that because that's not true. And they know I won't say that. They know that I know the truth, so they really have nothing to say to me. If I'm not going to come out with a mea culpa, they have nothing to say to me. That's why they won't get on the phone with me. And when I say they, it doesn't have to be Jamie herself. It could be Dan. But okay, whatever. You know, they don't have to. Nobody's required to talk to me. I did offer it, though. And I was going to be respectful. I was not going to be an asshole about the whole thing. By the way, someone uh, messaged me on Twitter that Jamie is already playing poker with the money she got. (laughs) Not that I'm surprised, but someone wrote, Jamie LaFay flopped nines and queens with a 10 this afternoon. I bet 20 opponent raises to 40, opponent two tanks. He like gave like a hand history involving Jamie playing. And she also posted a picture of her playing on ACR. Not at high stakes, but she posted that. So yeah, apparently she's not out of work for six months like she said she would be. Who knew? Who knew there's a thing called online poker that you can play when you are not in the proper health to go play live poker. Oh my goodness. That was only invented in 1999. I didn't expect Jamie to think about that when she created that GoFundMe. It's only been around for 24 years, guys, online poker. But apparently she has learned. Let's see if uh, Luke is up. If he is, we'll throw him on here. It was funny. One person got, I won't say who it is. One person got so mad that he asked for my phone number during this whole thing. Like, oh my God, you two are in cahoots. You're talking on the phone. Oh my God. Like, what? So I'm not allowed to give my phone number to him? He's not allowed to give his phone number to me? We're prohibited from talking? But this person was was very mad. This was one of uh, Jamie's supporters who thought that I was being awful and mean and that because Luke had also been awful and mean that, well, this is proof that we're doing it together because he's asking for my phone number. The horror. The horror. How dare I do that? How dare you? Oh, he's there. He's awake. Okay. Let's throw him on. I, I was kind of pessimistic about this, but I thought he was sleeping. I'm going to throw him on. He was on the show once before when he got unfair treatment from the World Series of Poker, and I did not know him at all, but I did not like what I heard had happened. Hello? Hello, is this the sleigh dog? Yes, sir. <laughs> Good to have Hello, you back here after you these years since uh, the last incident we had you on for where you were uh, abused at the final table by the rail. Yeah. I, I, I'm not really a big fan of, uh, you know, that topic. So. Okay, I, I won't, I won't I bring it up. I was just reminding people that you were on here once before and uh, that I was... Yeah. 
no, in I your saying I'm not. I wasn't the best version of myself when you had me on. Oh yeah, well, I, it was understandable why you were in uh, a bad state there because I I would be pissed off too if this happened to me if I'm playing for a ton of money and then someone has their friends and their girlfriend on the rail just creating all these distractions and harassing me and calling me names and I'm like just let me freaking play poker in peace and then the then the floor doesn't stop it and then oh, you're yeah. the one who gets in trouble. It was fucking absurd, obviously. But hey, I'm back now and that's what counts. Say not only am I back, they fucking you know vindicated me. You know what I mean? They said you know you're right about everything, and you know that felt good. Jack called me up and he was like, "Look, it was wrong what happened," and you know, well that's good. Sorry, that's so, good that they uh, took responsibility. Like, yeah, I mean, in so many words, obviously, like they're not gonna like you know put themselves in any like you know risk, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was good to be. Just like I was vindicated about this situation. <laughs> yes, you definitely were, and uh, but not according to some of these. Not uh, according to some of these videos. No, I know some of them will never be convinced. But uh, you know, w quickly back on that old thing that happened at the World Series. Uh, you you just came back last year, and uh, so your first event back was the main event, and you cashed, right? True. That's yeah. Correct. See, I, I I played that same I main cashed, event. I did not cash. Uh, I know. You got sent to the showers, buddy. <laughs> I did. You, you didn't even shower me. I... No, yeah, no. It felt good. Like, cashing was a big freaking deal for me. I uh, I would have been really, it would have been really disheartening to uh, not cash uh, after, because I was very emotional, obviously, because for five years when you're banned, every year when the WSOP schedule comes out, it's like, wow, this is so depressing, and oh my God, like, it's so unfair. Like, you know, obviously... Uh, it was really tough for me, and uh, mentally, it just affected me so much. Um, and I just feel so great now because that monkey's off my back. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, especially because during uh, the summer, you it, have all these people who are posting about the events they're playing and everything going on there, and you know you can't come yeah. and be part of it. Oh, it's the worst. And uh, you know, every year it would make me depressed. And you know, I'm a you know, I've had a you know up and down career. When I first started playing poker, I was just winning so much money instantly. Uh, the first six or seven years I played, I was making, you know, 300 K a year and had one year where I won a million dollars. And then like, you know, black Friday happened and I had some really bad times in my personal life. And I was just playing awful poker for many years. I didn't work on my game and, you know, no one had the heart to tell me because I still had a bunch of money, so they're kissing my ass a little too. You know how poker players are. Yes. Um, no one had the heart to tell me, hey, you're an awful fish, buddy. Like, you're giving your money away. Um, and I just uh, didn't, you know, I didn't keep up with the time. And mentally, I just was struggling and, you know, with a, with a divorce and some other issues that were, you know, affecting my life. And I just wasn't, you know, I just wasn't happy. Uh, and I lost, you know, I spent a lot of my money I, on, you know, divorce proceedings, uh, you know, shit like that. Uh, but also I, you know, I lost a lot of my money playing poker and just making bad decisions. Uh, and around, around a year after the Colossus happened, I really, you know, made an effort to clean up my life. Uh, I stopped abusing, you know, recreational drugs. I was never like a drug addict or anything, but, um, and then I really started working on my poker game. Uh, and the last few years I've done a pretty good job, you know, I'm earning a good living. I don't have to get a job, you know, 
I got the Twitter thing, you know. So I'm feeling, and, and now the WSOP band lift was the last piece. Uh, I feel really good about my life, even though I called a bunch of people uh, CUNTs on uh, Twitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm very happy. <laughs> yes, well, and, and uh, I'll tell you, during when you got the unbanning, I, I was happy to see that. I covered it on the show. I even played your little interview you did during the uh, one of the breaks there, even though I was kind of jealous you were still in because I, I went out day two. And uh, so I, I was happy to yeah, see thanks. it because it, it was it was an injustice. It shouldn't have happened. And, uh, you know, whenever people have something occur that I think is wrong, I'll put myself in their shoes and think, how would I feel if this occurred to me? And if I think, well, I'd feel really shitty, then I feel bad for them. And that's how I felt about your situation the whole way. But anyway, let's get to the present. Let's get to 2023. And uh, Yeah, I'll just say respect the hell out of you, uh, even though I don't always agree with you, because you have, a, you have a spine and a backbone, and you care about what's right. But go ahead. Well, thank you. So in... Uh, January, I know you were quite upset. In fact, I even played your little video you made about it with that whole uh, suicide thing that Jamie did after busting on uh, Hustler Casino Live. And uh, and this upset you a lot because there was suicide that was in your own life. And uh, so you, you spoke out about it. Yeah, uh, my brother died by suicide. And it's not just that. Like, you know, my brother, he wasn't a great guy. I'm not going to sit here and, you know act like I'm so aggrieved, you know, like it's more just, you know, suicide's a serious thing. I know tons of, you know, everyone has someone in their life almost that they've lost to suicide, be it an acquaintance, a friend or a family member. Um, and you know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not, a, it's not an issue that you F around with. Same thing with cancer, obviously. Um, and, uh, but, um, also, it's just very manipulative. It's something that, like, uh, someone who gets caught cheating on their girlfriend does. They're like, oh, I'm going to kill myself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Uh, it, yeah, it definitely struck a chord with me. And I already had her on my radar because I knew about all the stuff at the Aria. Um, and I was like, who is this woman? There's no way she has 20,000 followers. Like, I've never heard of her in my FM life, you know? Uh, but, yeah, I was quite bothered by the suicide incident. Yeah, and you called it right when you said, and I wasn't sure at the time this was going to really happen, but you said at the time that you thought that uh, a request for money was forthcoming. And sure enough, about a month <laughs> later, uh, there came the qu request for money. And I remembered that when I, when I saw that, uh, and then I saw you commenting on it. I'm like, oh, boy, well, now do I get involved? And I'm like, should I, should I? Yeah, okay, fine. So I, I got in. and uh, Yeah, it's dicey because it's me. And because it's cancer, like, you know, like get involved with, you know, it took a lot of balls on your part to hop in there. But yeah, like, uh, there's this guy, right. We got robbed for some weed in Vegas once a year ago, years ago, like what, like first time I came to Vegas, Rob walked into the wrong part of town, handed some guy our money and he robbed us. This other guy comes up to us, this guy, this gentleman, he said his name was Detroit. And he said to us, he said, I saw the whole move. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how I feel about the Jamie thing is I saw the whole move, you know, I saw it coming a mile away. Yeah. I mean, you, you were correct. And uh, so then you, you called it out. You, I told people listening tonight, I said, you called it out before me, you, you and also cookie monster. I, you both got involved before I did. And, and as far I, you two didn't really know each other, right? You and cookie monster didn't really know each other prior to this, right? Oh no, I know cookie. Oh, you uh, know him. Okay. I, I mean, I didn't know him. Cookie cookie. Yeah, no, Cookie's an East Coast guy. 
he's like a real agitator sometimes, you know, he's very sarcastic, uh, you know, but he's a good dude. Uh, and we, we've known each other at least, I'd say four or five years. Okay. Uh, from the East coast. See, I, I didn't realize that. I, I thought you were kind of aware of each other on Twitter, but didn't know each other. But I guess it makes sense. Cause you're both from the East coast. Cause I, I never even heard of him prior to this. No, whole thing. He actually, I lost him for a couple of years. Cause he was trying to be like my dad, you know, I was like, you're not my dad cookie monster, but he's a good guy. <laughs> I, I rescinded the block cause he's a good dude. I was just angry at something he said to me, but it wasn't that big a deal. I shouldn't have blocked him. <laughs> yeah. He seems like a good guy to me from what I've seen from my conversations with him. But oh, absolutely. people, oh, yeah, they, they have the wrong idea that some people think he's like a guy I'm sending out to harass Jamie. I'm going, no, first of all, he's not <laughs> harassing. And second, I don't know him. Like I didn't know him before this. He started this before me. So yeah. it's, it's so stupid. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah. Cookie Monster. He's your goon. Well, I said that about you too. Like, all you did. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Cookie, yeah, me and Cookie rolled deep. That is, I haven't been paying attention. Like, I don't read her tweets anymore. I don't read any of these idiots supporting her because I know I'm right. So, like, the story doesn't, you know, I knew I was right the whole way. She's such an obvious con artist. You can tell it by reading her tweets for five minutes. And all you did was, like, post literal facts and her own words. And people are like, oh, you're attacking her. Right. That, people are morons. That, that's what surprised me the most. That's, that's what was most disappointing to me, is that I wasn't coming forth with just theories or guesses or just allegations. I was just noticing things that I could prove and did prove, and I put the links to my site to prove it. And people are like, oh, my God, why are you attacking this cancer patient? I'm like, guys, these are lies. I'm showing these are lies. No, but you're attacking her. I'm like, God, this makes no sense. It, it yeah. was very disappointing. Pointing that like, people like, and this is the thing with the suicide and the cancer is that what these people, these scammers are doing is they're preying on people who they know have grief. They know that like, you know, their mother had cancer, their uncle had cancer, their brother committed suicide like me. And they use that grief to be like, Oh yeah, just donate a few buy-ins or a couple big blinds, a few buy-ins. Anyway, um, fucking, and it's just like, it's just such detestable behavior. And uh, the fact that anyone is like, oh, well, maybe she told some lies, but she's still sick. She needs our help. She doesn't need anyone's help. She just needs money. <laughs> it's all about money for, for a con artist. You know, there's no, you know, there's no doubt that she has some sort of sickness. Like no one's really, I never claimed or any, I don't, I, I don't think any of us claimed that she was just completely faking any you know like yeah i didn't think she was just sitting at her house you know <laughs> you know just sitting at her house i, I believe she was in the hospital you know that's not except at the end there for the last the sick. last two days yeah. when she pretended she's in the hospital and she wasn't anymore but aside from that yeah nobody yeah. Qu nobody said that she was uh faking being ill or, or faking having some condition or faking having surgery so like maybe if you Troll said that, but not, no one who is prominent in calling it out, like you or I, said anything like that. And uh, that, yeah. and of course, that that's what she kept trying to prove. Oh, look at this! I'm really in the hospital. Look at this! I really have cancer. And we're like, but that's not what we're concerned with. So. Right? Exactly. And like, here's the thing: like, even if she, let's just say she was dying with cancer. Okay, this is just purely hypothetical. Like, she literally was dying. Um, she hasn't been in the community long enough or like been like a positive person to anyone like why does she deserve anyone's money just because she's some 
lunatic who got banned from the Aria and fucking <laughs> threatens their employees like we're supposed to give her money? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I know it sucks when people have cancer, but it's not like she's some entrenched member of the community. Yeah, I've raised like, that point, like, too. Yeah. Someone, like, if, say, like me, if I ever got cancer, I wouldn't need money because, you know, I have a family and friends and, you know, like... <laughs> With people in my real life, I'm going to ask. But, like, let's just say, like, a guy like me was dying or or was really sick with cancer. People would rush to give me money. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, it's because I'm a member of the community and I've, you know, been around for years and I've never fucked anyone around. Do you know what I mean? But this person was a complete newbie. She's never done shit for anyone, you know? All we know about her is she got banned from the Aria. But everyone just blindly trusts her because she's a woman. And I mean, like, I know people don't want to go there. Oh, you're being sexist. But it's, it's the truth. If a man had her dodgy reputation and people were coming out and saying, hey, she's known as scamming Jamie in the state of Washington. <laughs> but, yeah, let's give her money. Like, I don't know. It's just so funny and also disgusting. It's both at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I've said before that uh, in poker, even though they're – are some disadvantages to being female there's way more advantages to being female than disadvantages the the most privileged section in <laughs> poker are the females who are at least like semi-attractive the oh, good yeah you could get coaching listen my first original bit that maybe you i mean you know about it you're you've been around forever was pretending to be a woman you know that yeah, yeah, I heard. I I didn't know it at the time, but I've heard people make reference to it. You don't know? Oh, oh my God! You got to look back on that. I don't know if Pocket Five threads still exist because I know they got shut down. Oh my God! That so that was my original freaking. You know, when I was 21 years old, I had an account. It was like set up like a woman, just because, uh, just because uh, my mother. I made the account in my mother's name, and Party Poker would show your sex. So all these guys start chatting me up, obviously, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I'm going to roll with this. And I started having some wins. So I made a pocket five profile, you know? I was like, okay, I'll make a pocket fives because I was winning money. And, you know, all the pros are like, wow, who's this hot chick? Like, I got to talk to her. And wouldn't you know, all even this is, this is back in the day, too. Now it's like shooting fish in a barrel because um, you've got, like, Twitter all that stuff. We didn't have like webcams back then. So nobody could verify if I was a woman, you know? Uh, but like the point of my story is if you're a woman in poker, people want to help you. People want to get you in the game. Well, men mostly, but you know, horny men, but even non horny men want to, because they're like, Oh, a hot woman. Like, you know, like they're just like, Oh, like this is a nice story. Like even like some people with good intentions are helping women out. I'm not saying that. Like, well, yeah, there's other women helping women who just, women just because they're trying to yeah. help women in the game. But, like, yeah, they have to deal with the occasional, like, dirtbag at the table and a bunch of, like, nasty comments from troll accounts on Twitter. But what is the disadvantage exactly? Like, oh, there's, a, there's some sexist at the table? What about when you go to work at fucking IBM or wherever the hell you get a good job and, you know, you go in the corporate world? There's not going to be a bunch of sexist people there, too? I mean, the problem is sexism. It isn't men in poker. But men in poker, uh, if anything, are far less sexist. But not only that, but there's just so many upsides. There's, as you're saying, that everybody wants to help you. Everybody's doing you favors. Everybody's willing to stake you, and yeah. you, and you don't have to have sex with them. It's not like they're the, they have to have sex to get staked. Oh. No, they don't. They don't have to at all. And also oh, to get don't. sponsorships, way, way, way easier even today to to get sponsorships if you're a, a female. So I mean, there are. 
tons of well, reasons where if you're if you're female and you're uh, at least semi-attractive and, and like under 45, then you got a lot of privilege in poker that men don't have. And you know, I don't resent that. That's fine. That's just the way things are. I don't. I don't. Me neither. I think it's great. <laughs> I honestly think it's great. I like women getting involved in poker. It's good for the game. You know, but it's it's fine for them to just trash men in poker. But then I say something about women in poker, and all of a sudden I'm a freaking pariah. You know what I mean? Well, that that was the problem right? here. The the problem, you know, why I was even a little bit concerned about getting involved. I decided I had to because this is yeah, I run poker fraud alert. I got to do it. But I knew that me being a male who is calling out a female and a female who's saying she has cancer that it's going to be a very very bad look even if I'm right. And it's very hard in this day and age to do that because there's going to be a certain subset of people that will automatically take her side, no matter what the facts are. Yeah, that's ex- and that's exactly what happened. And it was frustrating, too, talking with these people because I actually tried to reason with some of them at the beginning, and it was like talking Sorry, to I'm a wall. Something. Hold on, I'm losing you for a second. I'm playing seven tables right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, no. What did you say? I'm, I'm saying I, I tried to reason with some of these people at the beginning, and they were just yeah. not open to any reason. I was trying to explain, like, rationally and calmly why I was taking the position I was. I was even at least trying to get them to acknowledge that even if they don't agree with me, and even if they don't think I should have been calling it out, that at least can you acknowledge I'm doing this for the public's own good, that I'm doing this with good intentions? Yeah. They wouldn't even acknowledge that. Same with me. It's just It really triggered me because after the WSOP ban, everyone was calling me a piece of shit. You know what I mean? And now I get vindicated for that, and I come out, and I'm trying to do people a favor and get them not scammed or at least give them all the info. All the info I had, I did zero research, Todd. It wasn't like I was out here sleuthing around. Everyone came to me. The people from Washington, they all DM'd me like, yeah, she's a freaking scumbag. Like It wasn't like I did anything. I just went with my read. And my reads told me that she was dirt, you know? Yeah. And it was just a simple read. And, and there was a good tweet from uh, WePro83, who is, who is female. She's uh, Yeah, she's cool. She is cool. And she tweeted something out there that not all scammers are male. Not all victims are female. Yeah. Not all sick people are good people. And it was a very good tweet. He's just basically saying, don't just, wow. don't just take a label on someone and then just make a judgment about whether they're the victim, whether they could be doing something shady or couldn't be doing something shady. So don't look at their identity or even their health status and then assign whether or not they could be doing something wrong. Look at their actions. And that's a very important message. Right. Like, yeah, that, that's exactly the point. Her tweet is amazing. It sums up everything that needs to be like stressed in this issue. Is like, and when and when you're talking about a guy like me, like, oh, I I can I could be an asshole. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. Like Walter and fucking Big Lebowski. You know what I mean? Like, yes, you're an asshole, but you're not wrong, dude. You know what I mean? There's a lot of complexity to human beings. Like. You could have, like, how many scumbags get cancer? Just as many as regular people, you know? Yeah. And for people who believe in karma, which I don't, I don't believe in karma. You know, like, this is what, this is why me and my ex-wife got divorced. She told me that, oh, people who get cancer, they had bad karma in their life. Everything happened. It's all connected. (laughs) And I go, what? I'm like, I go, what? Like, we're done here. Like, everything happens for a reason. No, it doesn't. But. You know, like, I don't believe in any of that bullshit. Like, I think karma is nonsense. But I have to ask now, how did did that lead to divorce, though? I can understand you disagreeing with that, but how did that become a divorce? No, no, that specifically didn't. But her 
just just knowing that that was her mindset towards the world really bothered me, you know. Um, and she was good people. She's Brazilian, Christian, you know, Christian background. Um, you know, she came up great family, but I just I can't vibe with that. Like, you know, all that the secret garbage. Her dad gave me a copy of the secret. I'm like, oh, I'm not reading this. Uh, I don't believe in that. You know, the. The the, the 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 this happened so now this is happening 20 years later it's all connected you know i don't believe that shit yeah well and then like i just started like thinking do i really want to be married to this person the rest of my life and well how long had you, you how know, long did I you know her before you married her one month oh, oh. one month bro. well there you go she was the hottest girl I ever in my life she wanted to move to america I wanted a hot Brazilian wife. It was like, you know, let's do it. Like, what do I have to lose? Okay, All well, I have see. is 300000 See, now, now it's making more sense somewhere. because if, if you marry someone after knowing them a month, then the, the chance of the marriage succeeding is pretty low. It is, but actually my father and mother married after only a few months, and they lasted until he died, like, you know, 15 years or whatever it was. But anyway, no, me and my ex-wife, we actually, the first few years were great. Uh, we just had different values and different, well, I mean, not that my values are so great, but <laughs> we had different, different goals, you know what I mean? And then like, once I won, I won a ton of money when I was married to her and she changed after I won the million dollars or whatever. I won 900,000 or whatever it was. How did she change? Did she want to spend uh, the money? Like how is she different? She spending more on the credit card. She was sending shit back home. You know, she was. She was, she was, I think she was cheating on me. I mean, I was cheating on her, so I ain't judging her for that. <laughs> okay. um, but, you know, if you were cheating on her, you should actually be hoping she was cheating on you because that would be uh, more equal then. No, I'm positive she was now, but I don't know the exact timeline. You know oh, okay. I, mean? I caught her one time, but I didn't even, like, I caught her lying, but I didn't even look into it at the time because I was so checked out of the marriage. I was just like, yeah, she's cheating on me. I'm cheating on her. I got to get a divorce. Okay. <clears throat> You know, I, I didn't uh, quite do what you did. I didn't uh, marry someone after one month, but I did. I did intentionally have a child with someone that I was with for six months. It was not yeah, I mean, not an know. accident. And we're, we're still together here for uh, That's great. many Where years you later. Live, you live in L.A. Yeah, I'm in L.A. right now. Yeah, I was in Vegas for some time. And you guys are happy? Yeah, but I'm going to put an asterisk on this one, though, because I did know her many, many years before back in college, but we just were out of contact for 16 years. So you knew she was, you know, you knew she was a, you know, solid person. Yeah, so that that was the difference there is I had some history with her before. We hadn't dated before, but I, I knew her before, and I actually had wanted to date her back then, but I, I was a little older than her, so I graduated before she did, and then... Uh, we ended up losing touch for almost 16 years, and then we got back in touch from Facebook. And uh, but you know, within six months, we actually intentionally had a child together. What year was this? This was in '09. Okay, '09. Okay, so it wasn't that long ago. I was thinking. Well, it's an okay, '09 is a while ago. So. And the child was born in 2010, so you know he's 12 now. He'll be 13 this year. And yeah, that's so a while. Yeah, you live in LA. In fact, uh, that's uh, I like left Vegas. I, I I was not going to have her uh, come to Vegas. She had a job in in the LA area, so I I came back to LA where I was from in the first place. Right. That was a little bit risky, though. You know, a little bit risky. You've only been with someone six months to yeah, have a kid. You're a gambler, you know. <laughs> you're not scared. But I know, like, I don't really know your whole fucking story or whatever. But uh, you know, I dig what I see. I got into poker when I was kind of near 30 
but it was still before the boom. And I found it through a friend. And so it wasn't on TV yet or anything like that. I started playing in 01. And I, I got very lucky on my first two World Series events. And I, I didn't want to play tournaments. So for several years, I didn't even play tournaments at all. But I first played the World Series in 05. And I got third place in my oh, first wow. event. Yeah, so I, I got my f- third place in my first event. And I won my second event. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I haven't done as well I since. Never I've, I've never done that since. But uh, that my my well, best two tournaments my first two. You're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. I actually final tabled my first event, too, and then I never got back to a final table until they banned me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so my first event, 3K No Limit with Phil Helmuth. That's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's uh, it, it was good, yeah, though, because my, my... Remember the Beth Jack one where she... Like was telling the crowd she had aces. Oh, you were there. I was in the crowd for that one. I was there. I was. I got tenth place, buddy. (laughs) Oh, okay. Back then, bro, they stopped the FT at ten because Phil was in, and they and he was about to set the record for most caches. So they stopped it at ten. So we all got to the TV table, and PokerStars gave me fucking seventeen grand just to wear a patch. Yeah, yeah, that's that's nice. I got almost ten. Those were good. Yeah, I got almost 10 for wearing two patches, again, with Helmuth at uh, the main event day two, just for the TV table oh, day two. Good old thing. And I, I, now I was, they'll give you a fucking... Now they'll give you a lunch, maybe. Maybe they'll give you a lunch. <laughs> yeah, that was that was nice. And uh, <laughs> I, I got a little bit also in 2010 when I was making it deep there. I got, I got 88th in 2010 at the main event. So. Wow, great run. I wish I ever went that deep. I cashed it five out of time, ten times I played. Granted... I was banned for five years, so it should have been more times I played. But uh, I cashed it five out of ten times, but I never made it out of day four. Yeah, there's so much luck in these things. Always go broke day four. There's a lot of luck in this. Like a hundred for eighty thousand. I I, yeah, I got eighty thousand for the eighty eighth, and I got one twenty eighth, and in two thousand nineteen, I got like sixty thousand. Those are my two good ones. But uh, wow. Two runs that deep. That that must have been so fun. Yeah, it was. It was exciting. Especially once you get past like the final like two hundred, then you start to really think, "What if I end up making the final table?" You get all excited, and uh, so I, that was that was fun when I had both of those. I'm hoping that'll happen again for me. I mean, the last one is 2019, so it's not a super long time ago, but I'm, I'm waiting for it to happen again. But I, I had a problem with bubbling. I had like five of them in a ten year span where I got really close to the money and. and ah. It busted. Bad beat stories after you hit us with the brag posts, you know? <laughs> Is there anything else we need to touch on here? Because I'm playing a bunch of Okay, okay. Right I, I don't want to make you lose your seven tables here. No, I, I, th- I think we're good, and I've been no, on no, for a I'm while. So. Eight, but, if, but, yeah, let's – is there anything else like some meat on the bone that we're leaving? Because I'm ready to comment on whatever we got to comment on. No, I was, I, like before I called you, I went over the whole thing. I just uh, at the end I said, let me okay. call you up and get your commentary about it. But uh, and you know, I I, I guess sure. one thing one thing before we go, um, you did get suspended for a week from Twitter over this whole thing. Then my girl, my girl, she loves me. <laughs> You, you got uh, re- reported by uh, a certain not-so-objective poker reporter. Ass reported. <laughs> and, and, you know, you were using uh, the C word a lot to a lot of different women on there. You were... Uh, that wasn't why, though, Todd. Elon doesn't care about the C word. That's why I was, I was testing out his new features, you know? 
<laughs> no, Elon does not care about the C word. I got banned for saying that uh, I'd celebrate when she drove to the Golden Someone when someone drove to the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, okay. okay. Or something. <laughs> it was one of those comments where I said I don't care if she dies because okay. I really don't because good people die all the time. Why do I care about? This I game? saw that tweet. I okay. Mean, I, it hurts some people's delicate disposition, but you know it's just the way it is. Fuck them. Yeah, well, I'll tell you the attitude I took. Some of these these people, including the one who got you banned, were messaging well, me privately and saying, "Oh, how how can you be on the same side as Luke with the stuff he's writing here?" And I was like, "Look, he said some inappropriate things. He knew what he was doing. He got banned. You know, like whatever. That's what happens. But how can you compare this to some of the stuff that's being written to and about me?" by these trolls on Jamie's side? How come you're not criticizing them? They're not just using bad language. They're, they're writing just completely false and nasty things about me, really just writing awful things. How come you're not saying anything to them? And, and I, I just, excuse after oh, excuse sure. after excuse. And she's tweeting at the scammer like the scammer's a normal person. She should be shunned from the community, honestly. They wrote a hit piece about me. We didn't talk about the hit piece. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the hit piece about you, yeah. I, I briefly mentioned it. Yeah, I, 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 old lady. She called me an incel, but then when I say something about her, I'm harassing her. Yeah, I mentioned it before. There were two very brief articles about this whole thing, and other than that, this wasn't covered at all. But one of the two articles was, was actually kind of like a hit piece on Luke that was just, uh, it said that like, he's the most offensive person on Twitter, which is just, Amazing to be writing that. What a compliment! Oh, yeah, that was that was great. I loved the hit piece. The hit piece made my day. Honestly, I wasn't upset at all about the hit piece. That really that that's the type of stuff I enjoy. You know, that's when I know I'm doing great work. <laughs> yeah, I, I was mentioning before. I, I do want to get your comment on this before I let you go. Did you notice that hardly any big and medium names in poker are commenting on this at all? Either way, they're just completely staying out of it. Thank you. This is this is like my main issue. I, I yeah. I mean, we should have been talking about this the whole time. It's like he's got guys. They're making they're making a hundred k a year, whatever they make to represent these sites or to promote this or that or to do the announcing for WPT and WSOP. You know, and but 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 they've got nothing to say about real issues. <clears throat> None of these big time guys. They'll talk about a poker hand or, you know, Robbie Jade Lou, but, you know, they don't give a shit about the real issues. You know what I mean? Well, I was uh, saying before, yeah, I, I, I was saying before that I that they were intentionally staying away from this because it is hard to comment on this without looking bad, so they just left it on us to do. That's not okay because a lot of these women, and I'm going to blast some names now Uh-oh. because fuck them, <laughs> you know, Veronica and freaking this girl, Caitlin Komateski, and, you know, Dankness, who's a man. I'm not, we're not just blaming women here. A bunch of these people, when we already had outed the scammer, we already told everyone she's a scammer, we're sending this lady prayers. So basically, you know, when you see somebody like Veronica or Dankness or somebody that everyone likes, she got 20 million followers, she's posting selfies, she's making tough conversations. If you see them tweet at any person, you're going to say, oh, well, these are good people, so I kind of like this. You know, like, oh, now I'm going to follow this lady. Uh, and she must be a good person because freaking Veronica said so or whoever the hell it is, you know. And none of these big names had even the balls to say, hey, just look out for yourself if you uh, 
are going to donate to a GoFundMe from a woman in poker or this woman. You know, we had to do the whole thing and get called sexist. And I don't make shit for money. You know what I mean? I, I do okay with my $10 a year. Maybe I get, you know, maybe I get five to 10 grand each year off my Twitter. But it's not like I'm rolling in the dough over here. You know, and I lost a bunch of followers who are like, yeah, misogynist. Ah. <laughs> now I'm turning on the lefty. You know, I'm a very liberal guy when it comes to, you know, but I'm not a liberal. Like, I'm not like, you know, I don't just fucking blindly follow a fucking any, whatever anyone says. You know what I'm saying? I make my own choices on, on each issue. I'm not a freaking, you know, obviously I'm voting blue because I'm broke. So I need the money, you know, but I'm going <laughs> to say it like, what the fuck? Like these people, I've been freaking kissing their ass for years, Todd. And now they're calling me a misogynist. Meanwhile, I'm the most fucking liberal, fucking supportive, uh, you know, wokester around. And now they're coming for me, Todd. It ain't right. I was saying before that a lot of people are just completely staying away from it because they don't want to get their hands dirty with this, and they see we are getting our hands dirty, and they're like, okay, let, let them take the brunt of all this. And they quietly agree, they quietly recognize what's going on, but they don't want to say it. Here's why I got mad, though. I supported these freaking women, you know, big-name women I'm talking about. I'm not going to name names because it's tacky, but you could figure out who I'm talking about. Big-name women. I've supported them their whole way as they laddered up. Like, I was always a crusher. I always had, you know, I might be broke now, but, you know, when I, when we were all coming up, I had money, and people were kissing my ass. You know what I mean? Like, that's how it works in poker. When you got money, people want you to back them. They want you to like them. They want, they, they want, they want in on what you got. And I had a lot more money than all the players my age. You know what I mean? So people were kissing my ass, and I always supported these women. Uh, and in the more modern times, I supported the new women that came around and outed scammers like Veronica did. She freaking outed Mike Fossil. I'm right in there like, let's go, Veronica. You know, but where's she at now? She ignores me and freaking talking about, oh, you know, I don't know. It's just it's very disappointing to see all these people. It, it, like, it's not okay to just say, oh, let them get their hands dirty, whatever, whatever. Like, at least come to my aid and say, hey, I know Luke. He's not a sexist. He's not a misogynist. At least, at least give me that. You know what I mean? You don't have to out the scammer. You can still send her your fucking prayers if that makes you feel good. At least give me he's not a sexist. What is disappointing to me was when there were all these false allegations about me by, by these trolls supporting Jamie to try to distract from what I was saying, that I at least wasn't getting some of these people saying, hey, you know what, when Todd's called these things out in the past, he's almost always been right. So that's got to mean something. Like, some people said it, and I appreciate those that said it, but there were a lot that just sat there quiet. And I had a lot of DMs from people saying, yeah, you're doing the right thing, great, yeah, I'm so happy to see this, but they wouldn't come out publicly. Yeah, it was pathetic, honestly, and it just shows how, like, everyone's mind is, like, fucked. And they try to act like everyone's, like, that they're better than people, you know, and that's what I didn't like. And that's why I went off the freaking deep end and started being, you know, the dirty misogynist or whatever the fuck they want to call yeah. me. Well, you, you, know? you, you did very, freak out a bit there. I'll say that. I'm not the most freaking, you know, I'm pretty fragile mentally. I can get wound up about something and forget about it, but that's what makes me great. You know what I mean? It's a, you know, they, they say it's a gift and a curse. What my friend Dari Vlad, my boy from Romania said is try to just think of it as a gift. And ever <laughs> since he told me that, I've been feeling better about life. You know, I used to think, oh, you're crazy. You're, you, you know, people don't like that about you. You know, what if they don't like it, fuck them, you know? And ever since then, my life's been better. 
My issues actually weren't even with women specifically. It was with uh, actually about half and half men and women who were coming after me about this. Not, not really anyone prominent, but just people who uh, were just very irrational. And then what was bothering me is that these irrational people were not getting enough responses from those that were aware of me and were aware of what I've done and were aware of my credibility in situations like this, that they just uh, stood back. And, and and that was kind of sad for me that, you know, I haven't done this show I, for a while because I was kind of upset about that. Yeah. Yeah. You should be upset. I, I and you, and you've never done anything but try and help people. Um, and me, I actually got a ton of support from my followers. My followers are a loyal fucking gang. But the problem was I wasn't getting support from these people who have, you know, everyone respects them. Like, that's a big problem in poker is like the whole vouching for people. Like, one guy vouches for this other guy, but they don't really even know the guy. It's just they're in the group. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I meant, too. Like, I I had people who listened to this show. I I had, like, fans of this show who were responding in my favor, and I appreciate that. But, yeah, again, like, the the known and semi-known players, just everybody just stayed away from it. And with everybody staying away from it, I thought, okay, well, this is pretty much proof positive that that we're right here, because if we were wrong, they would be saying so. If if we're attacking a cancer yeah. patient who doesn't yeah. who doesn't deserve it, then then we'd be getting clobbered. So can you imagine? The, can you imagine? Yeah, come on, dude. If we're wrong, where are all the people saying, "Oh my God, she's a great woman"? There's no one. There's not yeah. a single person who knows her. It's so, a God artist. So that's what God was bothering me. Friend. That's what's bothering me is if they're staying silent, it pretty much means they know that this is correct what we're saying, and they just don't want to get involved, e- even do. enough to just say. Pod, that's why you shouldn't be too discouraged. Anyone that matters knows that we were right. You know? Fuck all these idiots who are being loud on Twitter. It's just, anyone who's got a brain knows that we were right. They might not approve of me calling women cunts or whatever the hell they're mad about, but they know that we were right and, uh, you know, we did the serv- a service to the community. I got way more support than I got hate. The people hating were all a bunch of morons I already had blocked. <laughs> Well, you know, I I go back and forth on this because I, I sometimes think like the way you just said it, that the people who really have any kind of length in the community and, and respect in the community, that at the very least, these people mostly just stayed silent and quietly agreed. So I could think, okay, well, yeah. in, in these people's eyes, my reputation hasn't gone down at all, and that's good. But on the other hand, why the hell weren't they saying anything? Why, why didn't I get more of this from them saying not not delving into this and uh and saying oh jamie's a liar but at least say something on my behalf like even in the last year I, I've, I've done a bunch of good stuff here for people that uh, at least come out in my behalf and say something like if i'm so sure about this that it's got to mean something and tell these people off who are trying to troll me and trying to make it look like i have no credibility so our feelings are fucking, you know, almost exactly the same. Like, I feel the exact same way, and everything you said I echo. But I'll say that, like, you know, for the most part, like, the, the, big, the big problem isn't how people treated us. That was to be expected. It's that these people don't have any freaking spine. They don't have any – they don't stand for anything. And all they care about is the money going into their wallet. And that having a good rep, and, and it's just pathetic, and that and it sucks that that's the way poker is. But it's always been like that. It's a one. It's a you know the game of poker. You go for you try to make the most money. That's all you do. But to approach life that way, it's unfortunate. Life is different than poker. You know, doing the right thing, regardless of you know, you know, 
That's what makes us a man, that and a pair of testicles. Okay, I'm quoting Big Lebowski again. Um, but, like, like, that's way more important than, like, what you're making or, you know, how many people are freaking, you know, subscribing to your stupid-ass training site or whatever. Like, it's just sad. Like, Berkey, like, Berkey, Berkey I actually was starting to like a little more, da-da-da-da-da, and then he doesn't say a word about this. Like, fuck him, you know? Like, these people are pussies. It's, it's pathetic. You should protect your customers. If your customers are, you should make sure they know, you know, that to just look, keep a, maybe don't, maybe don't send a couple hundred to this idiot. That's why it's a great scam too, Todd, because you just scam a bunch of people out of a couple hundred. Eh, okay, whatever. They scam you out of a few hundred. No big deal. You know what I'm saying? Scams like that are great because nobody really freaking thinks twice about it. You scam some billionaire Russian out of 10,000, who cares? You know, like nobody gives a fuck. I will say that it, had a little effect on me that I was kind of demoralized with with uh, the poker community. It was emotional. I was very emotional about it. You know that. Yeah, I know. And, and I, it, it hurt. You try to freaking outcast me again. They already did it to me once. You know what I mean? Like, and now they're kind of they're gonna they're gonna try to do it again because I said some choice words, whatever. Yeah, and I didn't even say any choice words. Hurt. Like I was I was very cordial no, to everybody. Yeah, I mean, like it's just so obvious. Like I don't know, it's just messed up, and she's still running her bits and she's still got people her hooks in people and she's still getting money you know she's got people in her dms come on her dms must be a party she's freaking <laughs> oh can you send me five like come on her yeah, that would be interesting to see like, I, I would love to see her dms that's a good point i haven't even thought of that but that's a good point we'll a lot get that of people done. have been asking me like uh, like these people hit me up and they're like oh can you tell me exactly what's going on with this and i'm like go to todd whittle's page da, 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 da. but like sometimes they're like you know too lazy to do that or you know, and if I just send them this interview, they'll know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, they can they can listen to the whole show beforehand. I explained uh, on the last one I did in February and this one. Like I I went through a lot yeah, of information. No, for sure, I told them that, but people are like lazy. They're not going to listen. Like I told them to read the thread. There's a lot of stuff in that thread, right? Yeah, there is. All right, cool. Well, I got to go right now, but thanks so much for having me, and uh, thanks for so much that you did. And we're gonna have a beer in Vegas this summer. Or I don't really drink that much beer, but we'll chill. <laughs> yeah, we definitely will. We'll finally meet for the first time in person because we, we haven't actually met before. Yeah, that's wild. We haven't met. <laughs> Anyways, I got to go. Okay, Thanks, well, buddy. good luck at the tables there. Thanks, bro. Bye-bye. All right, bye. That was Slay Dog, Luke Rabel. You know, he's got some controversial takes and opinions, but he was honestly here just trying to do the right thing. He saw something that he felt was dishonest and he wanted people to know. That was it. And the stuff that he was being accused of that was misogyny and sexism, this was all really his reaction to those who were uh, giving him a hard time about what he was saying about Jamie. And then he kind of went off. And he knows he went off. If you look at what was he trying to do here, he wasn't trying to hate on women or make some kind of attack on someone because they were female. He was trying to call out what he really felt was something dishonest. And when I looked at it, I agreed right away. And as you guys know, I would have done this if it was a man involved as well. Okay, so I'm recording this a day later now on March 10th, and I'm just letting you know that the continuation of the show that was supposed to be in the evening of March 9th did not take place because I got kind of sick. And I'm feeling better now, but I really did not feel good yesterday 
So while I felt good doing the morning show yesterday, in the evening I did not feel good, so I ended up sleeping instead of doing the show. So what I did yesterday morning after the Jamie topic was over, which is right at this point, was I did two more topics, and then I shut it down for the morning because I had some things to do, and then we left off there. So you're going to hear two more topics, and after that, everything else that we are going to be doing on this show is going to be coming up soon. By the time you listen to this, it may or may not have been broadcasted yet. It may or may not have been put in the archives yet, but at some point soon it will be. So this is going to be saved as a separate episode, and then part two will come up sometime in the future. And as I'm speaking right now, it hasn't even been broadcasted yet. So that's where we stand right now. Just wanted to let you know, and here comes the rest of the show from yesterday morning. So right now it is 7 a.m. Pacific Time, and it's also time for... Ah, oh, hello, Ken and Nigel Fabisham here. This is Druffy Time Theater. If you're new to this show, you're probably wondering, what in the bloody hell's going on here? Who's this British gentleman, and why is the Masterpiece Theater's intro playing in the background? Now this is where Dandruff talks about uh, personal stories of his, whether they're from the recent past or distant past, and uh, often they're quite nonsense, but um, he's going to bring them to you anyway. On with it. This is Druffy Time Theater. I don't know how many of these we've done, but we've done a bunch of them, but I'm not going to go back and talk about something from 30 years ago or... 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago, or even one year ago. I'm going to tell you a story that occurred in 2023. We're going to get real current here. Not exactly current, because it didn't happen today, but it happened in February. And as soon as it happened, I said, this is something I have to do for Druffy Time Theater. So I'll tell you the story. It's not a long story. This is going to be a shorter Druffy Time Theater But I want you guys to know because it's a very, very bizarre story. And, of course, it involves Caesars. Because something about Caesars, you may have noticed this yourself. Something about Caesars is that even the most mundane situations can turn into long strings of fail. Nothing at a Caesars property can ever be taken for granted as trivial or quick or simple. Anything can become an ordeal there. It's almost funny sometimes. I I actually have to laugh sometimes at some of the things that go on there. So this is one of the cases where that occurred. Because I'll tell you, even though this was at a Caesars property, when I started out here at the beginning of the story I'm about to tell you, I really thought it was going to be something that would take like 60 seconds and be done. And it became much more than I ever imagined. So I had a comp that I was going to use to go to dinner by myself. And I had a reservation. And this story is not about the restaurant. It's not about the reservation. The meal was lovely. Nothing about that. I was very happy with the meal and the comp and all that. What I'm going to tell you about is something that occurred right beforehand because I had a reservation. I had somewhere to go. I was already a little bit late for it. And I was by myself, so there was no one to wait for me. I was afraid they are going to drop me from the reservation. And it was getting closer to closing time, not exactly closing time, but it was getting closer to closing time to where if they dropped my reservation, I probably wouldn't be able to eat there that night. So I I really 
did not want to have this dropped on me. But I did have a fat wallet sitting in my pocket. And you're probably thinking, oh, good, you had a fat wallet. That probably means you're doing really well. It probably means you had a lot of money. It probably meant that uh, you're feeling really good about how you've been doing in Vegas. No. I didn't say I had a lot of money in my wallet. I said it was fat. Your wallet can be fat for many reasons. It could be because you have a lot of credit cards. It could be because you have a lot of change. It could be because you have a lot of $1 bills. Well, I had all three of these. I had a lot of credit cards. I had a lot of change and a lot of $1 bills. I accumulated these just from gambling over the weekend. You know how it works with gambling. You end up cashing out some amount with some change at the end, and you just keep putting the change in your wallet, and it builds up. So I had a lot of ones in my wallet, and I had some change bulking up the wallet. I just thought, you know what? Let me get rid of some of this. So I looked, and I noticed that I had a lot of ones. I had eight ones, and I had four quarters. And I thought, okay, let's at least thin this out a little bit. Provided there's no line at the cashier, and this occurred at the Horseshoe, the former Bally's in Las Vegas, I was going to go to the Horseshoe cashier and give them four singles and four quarters and ask for a $5 bill. I was not going to wait on a long line to do this. I was not going to wait on really any line to do this. But I decided that on the way to dinner, which was also at the Horseshoe, that I was going to take a glance at the cashier, and if the diamond line was either extremely short or empty, I was going to go do it. Otherwise, I was not going to do it. So I did see there was only one person ahead of me in the diamond line. So I figured, okay, provided this guy doesn't take very long, this will probably be worth my time to do. So I got in the line, and sure enough, this guy was really quick. He probably took 30 seconds or less. So it was my turn. Great. So I plopped down my four singles and my four quarters, and I said, can I have a $5 bill, please? And the cashier said back to me, can I see your diamond card, please? And at first I'm like, what? I'm just getting change here. Like, I'm just I'm just getting a $5 bill for smaller denominations. Like, why do I have to show my diamond card? But then before I even said anything, I'm like, oh, okay, this is the diamond line. Because there was a substantial line for the non-diamond members. So she probably just was trying to do her job, trying to show some concern that I'm not doing this to cut in line if I don't qualify for the diamond line. So while I found it a bit of a pain in the ass, I, I couldn't fault her for trying to maintain the integrity of the diamond line because a lot of the cashiers don't. A lot of them don't give a crap. So I, I thought that was actually you know, a little bit nice that she was trying to make sure that those in the diamond line really have a diamond card, even if they're just doing a simple transaction. So I whipped out my diamond card and slammed it there down on the counter. Slamming is the wrong word. I, I put it down on the counter. I wasn't angry. I was actually uh, understanding as to why she asked that. And she looks at it and says, oh, that's expired, and snatches it away. Then she ran it through the computer, and it showed her that while the physical card had an expiration date of January 2023, which we were past because this is February, that my diamond status was still current. It's just the physical card had the old date on it. Now, these cards still work even after the printed expiration date is passed. 
because the printed expiration date actually doesn't mean anything. What actually means something is your actual status in the system. And the strip that they scan, all that does is give your identity information to the Caesar's computer, at which point it sees what rank in the system you really are. So you can have a seven stars card from a few years ago, but if you're down to gold, once they scan it, they're going to see your gold. And the reverse is true too. You could have an old gold card, which is the bottom tier, and you could be presently seven stars, which is the highest tier, and they'll scan it and they'll see your seven stars. So the expiration date on there, while it's true that it will expire if you don't renew your diamond status, once you've renewed it without a physical card that says the later date, it doesn't really matter. It's not like a credit card. But she was a stickler for this, and she did not want to let me have that card back because the expiration date printed on it was technically passed, which I've never seen before. I've never seen anyone at Caesar do that to me before, or at MGM for that matter. So I said, you know, um, I, I'm really in a rush right now. I need to make a dinner reservation. I'm already late for it. Can you just give me back the card? I'll do this later. And she says, no, I can't give you back the card because, you know, what if you lose it? What if you throw it away and someone digs it out of the trash? Then what'll happen is that someone could use your card and maybe even steal your rewards credits. And uh, I don't want to let that happen to you. This is for your protection. (laughs) Which is so stupid because I could just as easily lose a newer card. Like, why does she have to be the guardian of this one particular card that happens to have an expiration date that has already passed, but still works? Like, why not just let me keep it? There's no reason to confiscate it. She can recommend that I print a new card because when you flash the card for whatever benefit you want where they don't scan it, such as if you're getting in like a restaurant line or you're you're getting valet or whatever it might be, they don't always scan it. They'll just look at the card. So there it helps to have one that says the proper expiration date on it. So it's very reasonable to recommend that I get a new card. But she was refusing to give this back to me, even when I'm saying, look, I'll just do this later. Can you just give this back to me for now? So she was holding my diamond card hostage until she printed new ones. So I was about to really object here and tell her this isn't her place to do. But I figured, you know what? I've had this done before as far as printing cards. It's going to be like a minute. So I'll just wait the minute, let her print them. I needed the new cards anyway. I'll just keep my mouth shut. So she attempts to print the cards, but something's going wrong. She's walking back and forth from the counter to the printer to the counter to the printer, and nothing's coming out. Not telling me what's going on. Just minutes are passing, and she's making no progress and just running around like a chicken with her head cut off, apparently with some kind of problem printing these cards. Now I really just want to get my freaking card back. So I'm about to say something. I'm about to say, well, apparently this isn't working. Can you just please give me the card back? And I needed the card for dinner, by the way, for the comp, so I couldn't just go get my card later. So she now I have no card because she's holding it and she won't give it back to me. So then before I could say anything, she strolls over to another counter way down the line and doesn't tell me what she's doing. (laughs) I'm thinking, oh, my God, I just wanted a freaking five dollar bill. That's what I came here for. I didn't come here to print new cards. I came here to take four one dollar bills and four quarters and get a fiver. A transaction that I did back when I was eight years old with no problem. Not at a casino, but, you know, it's the simplest of simple transactions. And look at this ordeal I'm being put through. 
Even when she can't print the freaking card, she's not giving it back to me. So I'm just standing there like a dope for another five plus minutes. And now it's been over 10 minutes that I've been standing here trying to get this damn $5 bill, which has turned into this forced printing of new cards. And she's not telling me what's going on. So I stroll myself down to the other station, which is like six stations away. And I said, yeah, can you please tell me what's uh, going on right now? And she said, oh, the other computer was not working with the printer. So I had to give up with that. So I'm on this station now, and I'm going to print card from you from here. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm late to dinner. Can you please just give me the card back? No, I can't give it back to you. I already told you. It'll be coming out any second now. Just please wait. So, okay. At this point, I'm still not aggressively arguing. I'm still kind of just taking all this. I'm just dealing with it. Some people thought this was very unlike me who have told the story. Some people would have pictured me going off about this. But no, I'm telling you, I kept quiet. I was polite. I was uh, very passive in this whole situation. So I see two cards finally come out of the printer. So I think, thank goodness it's over. Finally, I'll get my cards and I'll get my $5 bill. And I can quickly walk over to dinner and hopefully they will still take me even though I'm like 15 minutes late now. At least this is all done. So she hands me my first card. I had two printed because I always like having two. One as a backup. So she hands me the first one. It looks totally normal. And it has the proper expiration date of January 2024. Nothing wrong with that card. Standard diamond card. Very good. The second one she hands me says Horseshoe Las Vegas, grand opening December 2022, and nothing else. You might wonder, what is the problem with that? You might wonder, what is that? What is a Horseshoe grand opening 2022 card? Why is that my second card? The first card makes sense. It's a diamond card that says diamond on it. The second card has all this horseshoe insignia on it without any indication of what my level is. So that's a big problem because, as I said before, there's certain things you do at Caesars where you just have to flash your card and they don't scan it. I just named two of them, valet and restaurant lines where you get a priority line, but they don't scan the card. Hey, even the cashier line, they don't scan the card. She only took my card because it showed expired. But if I just flashed a diamond that had the proper expiration date, she would not have scanned it. So that's another example of something where you need to show them the card. But some of these, it's a pain in the ass for them to scan it. Like the valet is a good example. Or the even the restaurants, the, while they can scan it, that often the people maintaining the lines uh, don't have that right there in front of them. So you really want a diamond card that says diamond. Really, part of being diamond is having the card to flash that you're diamond. Another thing where you'll want to flash the diamond card is if you're having any kind of issue. You're asking for some kind of exception to be made to something. Anytime you think that you're asking for some kind of elevated level of customer service and you're trying to flash the diamond card showing you're a diamond member, that's helpful to have. It's even better if you have a seven stars. So flashing a card that just says horseshoe on it is not going to get the job done. So you really want a diamond card saying diamond if you are a diamond. And she gave me one, but the second card said horseshoe. It's some kind of weird-ass commemorative card. So I asked her politely, 
what is this card? What is the second card? And she said, that's your backup card. I said, okay, but uh, the problem is if I lose the first one, the backup card's not going to be sufficient because it doesn't have diamond printed on it. And she said, well, that doesn't matter because when they scan it, it will still show your diamond. And I said, well, wait a minute. With that logic, then why did you take my first card at all with the expiration date that was passed? Because if they scan that, that'll show it's current. (laughs) So what are you doing here? Like, (laughs) why did you take this at all if you're going to then print a card that doesn't show my status? So we went from one that does show my status with the wrong expiration date to one that doesn't show my status with the right expiration date. That's no better. In fact, it's worse because they usually don't scrutinize the expiration date very closely. So she kept repeating, but again, that's just your backup card, sir. So I said, yeah, but why would I want a backup card that is inferior to the main card? Why don't I just get two main cards? Why not just have two diamond cards that are equivalent? Why would I want a diamond card and this much inferior looking horseshoe card that I can't flash anywhere? Why wouldn't I just want them both to say diamond? So she says, well, again, when they scan it, it will show that you're diamond. It's a backup. It doesn't matter what it says. The system reads it the same, she says, in a very like nasty tone of voice to me, like I'm the crazy one. So I had enough at this point. All I wanted was my two freaking diamond cards that say diamond on them. Really, all I wanted was the stupid $5 bill without messing with the damn cards, and she forced me to do this, but now she's trying to give me some crappy second card that doesn't say diamond on it. So I said back to her, I know how the program works very well. I understand the scanning, but as I mentioned, I needed to say diamond on it because, and then she interrupts me and says, okay, I get it. I'll do it. So she angrily pounded on the computer with her pounded, like she didn't pound it with her fist, but she's like pounding out whatever she has to do on the keyboard to get it to print another one. And it prints a second diamond card that actually says diamond, hands it to me and says, okay, now do you need anything else? So I said, okay, that's all. And I walked away. I didn't thank her. She didn't deserve thank you. But did I complain is the question. Did I go to her supervisor and say that this was inappropriate? Because she made a few mistakes here. To compel me to give up that card with the expiration date when I'm still a diamond. It's not like she took it away because I'm not diamond status anymore. She doesn't want me misleading anyone. She saw I was diamond status. So She was compelling me to have a new card printed with the later expiration date when I didn't have time. That's mistake number one. She shouldn't be compelling me. She can suggest it. She shouldn't compel me. Mistake number two was when I didn't like this second card that didn't say diamond on it, she should have said, okay, no problem. I'll switch it out. She shouldn't have had this debate with me. And the debate didn't even make sense because it invalidates the entire reason why she did it in the first place. If it's all about how the card scans, who cares what it says on it? Who cares if it's expired? Who cares if it's horseshoe? It shouldn't matter at all that all you're caring about is scanning. But if you care about how it looks, if you care about what's printed on it, then she shouldn't be giving me one that doesn't say diamond. You have to have one way or the other. You can't say, well, it matters if it says expired, but it doesn't matter if it doesn't say diamond at all. It's either what printed matters or what's printed does not matter. But she was very rude to me about the whole thing and very controlling with the whole matter, which she shouldn't be. And in fact... At Caesars Properties, they instill it in the heads of all of the employees. And if you've ever worked there, I have some people who listen to this show who have worked at Caesars Properties or still do. Uh, You probably got the lecture at some point. Not you personally, but you probably were 
part of an orientation that gave you the lecture that diamonds and seven stars need to be treated with extra respect. So you don't be intentionally difficult with them. And she definitely was. She just decided she's taking control of the situation. Even though I'm just there to get a $5 bill, she's going to make me refresh my card right now, even if the system's not working right to refresh it. So the question is, did I go complain to anyone about this? Because I wasn't sure if I even lost my reservation. I ended up getting to dinner almost 20 minutes late. A little of that was me. I would have been maybe five minutes late without this whole thing. But the other 15 minutes were her fault. So did I complain? Or did I maybe go to dinner so I didn't miss the reservation and come back and complain? Did that happen? Well, believe it or not, I actually did not complain about her. Because this wasn't major enough. It was annoying. It was stupid. It was lame. It was kind of a moment of power that she was asserting over me there. But it wasn't major enough. I don't know why she had this bug up her ass about printing this new card for me and not giving me the old one back. But this wasn't rising to the level where I felt I had to complain. So I let it go. I let it go, but I gave myself the consolation that this would be a good story for radio. Because it's just so weird. Let's go back to the very beginning of the story. All I wanted was a freaking $5 bill. That was it. That was it. And look what it turned into. A 15-minute ordeal with getting my cards reprinted and getting this weird-ass diamond card that wasn't really a diamond card. I still don't know what the point of that card is, by the way. Like, why did they give this to anybody? I guess if you're a gold member, if you're the bottom tier anyway, you don't care. But if you're anything above gold, why would you want a card that does not say that? Is this like a collector's card? I don't understand. Now, if you'd like to see the card, you can find this on my Vegas Casino Talk forum. It's another forum I run that's more aimed at uh, discussion of casino gambling in Las Vegas and uh, not really about poker. But if you go to the VegasCasinoTalk.com forum and go to the Total Rewards and MLife subforum, you'll see the story I posted on February 17th entitled, I went to the Horseshoe Las Vegas cashier to get a $5 bill for some loose change, and it turned into a ridiculous ordeal. You'll see that thread. If you want to scroll down in that thread, you will see the picture of the two cards that was given. It's very weird. I still don't understand what the point is of that card. But only at Caesars. You know, like, how does getting a $5 bill turn into this? Amazing. I guess on the plus side, let me tell you one, one good thing that happened, though. I said a bad thing about Caesars. Let me say a good thing. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be fair and balanced here. So the restaurant I went to was the Jack Binion Steakhouse. You know, they're kind of trying to make it look like it's the horseshoe. And you might wonder, did they do a lot of renovating with a horseshoe? Does it make you feel like you're in the old downtown horseshoe? No, not at all. It feels like Bally's. There's horseshoes on the carpet, but that's about it. Other than that, it looks just like Bally's. But anyway, they did rename the steakhouse. I don't remember what it was called before, but it's now called the Jack Binion Steakhouse. And that was, I think, my first time at the Bally's slash Horseshoe Steakhouse. Actually, maybe it's my second time. But if I was there before, it was a long time ago, and I didn't remember. But I went by myself. I had a comp, but the comp I had was not a very big comp. 
So I, I really could not uh, cover even the steak I wanted with the comp. It was going to cover most of the steak and none of the sides. And I just wasn't as hungry as I expected I would be. Like usually in a steakhouse, if I'm by myself, I'm going to order a steak and I'll order one side. You know, the steaks, they, they're pretty big and then the sides are pretty big. They're, the sides are meant for more than one person. So that's what I would usually get when I go to a steakhouse by myself. I, I don't do that often. Usually if I go to a steakhouse by myself, it's because I have a comp and I really don't have anyone to go with. But for whatever reason that night, I just decided I didn't really want to get a side. I just wasn't hungry enough. Maybe I lost my appetite from that whole cashier interaction, but I, I kind of felt like the steak was going to be enough and I thought the side was going to go to waste and the side wasn't covered at all by the comp. So I figured it was a waste of money. It was kind of expensive. So I just passed on the side. So I, I, the, the waiter was a little confused. I told him, no, I just want a steak and that's it. So I got no drink, no sides, just a steak by itself. And the waiter said, are you sure you don't want a side? And I said, I'm sure. I played this in the background as I told him. I said, just the steak, please. Nothing to drink. No sides. I'm afraid I'm not hungry enough for a side and I don't want to waste the money on it. So I've got a partial comp. I want to pay as little as possible here. So that's all, please. Anyway, waiter said, all right. Well, I'm sitting here waiting for my meal, and all of a sudden, my steak comes. And what is with my steak? A side, which was uh, some kind of uh, potato dish, which I had never had before, but they actually brought me a side. And I thought maybe the waiter was confused, and I said, Oh, I, I didn't order that. He said, no, no, no. This this was actually a compliment to the chef. Uh, he decided to give you a side anyway. So the chef actually felt bad for me that I wasn't ordering a side. And, you know, I was just joking when I was telling you guys with that music playing. I, I was uh, really not giving the whole story to the waiter. I didn't tell him I have a comp. I didn't tell him that uh, the side is too expensive to just eat a little of it. I just said... You know, I, I think I'm just going to have this. I, I just the I think I said the side would be probably too much for me to order just for myself. So it, it was like I guess sort of implied that I don't want to waste the money on something I'm not going to eat much. But I didn't say that directly. But the chef apparently felt bad for me that I was just getting a steak with no side and actually gave me this free side, which I think was worth like 17 bucks or something. So that was nice, and it was good. Some kind of potato dish. I forgot exactly what it was called but it was good and I thought that was just a nice thing to do and I hadn't had any problem there it's not like I had some kind of issue with a steak or send it back like I, I hadn't had any problem that they were compensating me for in any way and in fact I was late to the reservation so that was a nice experience and it was a good steak you know I enjoyed the steak I enjoyed the side there so I did have a good first experience at the Jack Beanie Steakhouse. They gave me something that I turned down ordering and just gave it to me anyway. Just to be nice. So see? I can say something nice too. Bad experience at that cashier, but a good experience at the Jack Beanie Steakhouse. Alright, so that was this week's Druffy Time Theater. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll do one more little segment and I'll leave the rest for later. 
Remember I talked about the Brian Sagbixall tell-all documentary that was being promised, and some people were telling me that I was foolish to believe that he was really going to do this documentary, that it was Patrick Curran, who was a former co-worker of his, just trolling people. People told me that uh, Patrick liked to make jokes all the time, that there really was no documentary, there really was no interview coming up with Brian Sagbixall, that he really was not going to be giving you the untold secrets of Hustler Casino Live. Remember, Brian Sagbixall is the guy who got fired for stealing money, $15,000 off of Robbie Jade Lou's stack on the day of the Jack Four hand during all the pandemonium. And he had access to the whole cards. So there's a lot of suspicion that even if Robbie was not cheating there, which it's very possible she wasn't, that maybe Brian was enabling cheating for others in the game. Because if he's willing to steal, he's willing to cheat. And I've said that a lot of times. So he's claiming now, even though he's on the run from the cops, seriously, like there's actually a warrant out for his arrest, that he did do an interview with Patrick Curran, who was another former employee at Hustler, who left before the Jack Forehand, so he had nothing to do with that. But he did an interview with uh, Patrick Curran, whose YouTube channel is Patrick What Up, And then he was promoting this documentary, which is called untold secrets behind the biggest scandal in poker history. And it's the quote official documentary. And this is part one. So people were wondering, if this is a joke. If this is really going to expose things, if maybe Brian's going to f- spill the beans and spill his guts and reveal that, yes, there's rampant cheating at hustler and he was enabling it. People didn't know what he was going to say. Well, I will tell you that, This was pretty much a dud. Not only did it really not get any kind of buzz on Twitter, not only didn't people really care about it once it came out, but it really didn't say anything. At least part one was just kind of an overview of the situation, but it didn't tell you anything new. You didn't learn anything from watching this untold secrets behind the biggest scandal in poker history. That's like a big name. That's like a name that you're supposed to really be shocked by and think, okay, I want to see the untold secrets. I want to learn the untold secrets that are being told by Brian Sagbixall, who knows all the secrets because he was there and he was stealing chips and he might have been cheating with whole cards. Let's hear it, Brian. But instead, we got this weird 15 and a half minute part one that's just kind of an overview without telling you anything. But that's not the only reason I'm talking about this on here. There's one other thing I want to play you. I'm going to play you the very beginning of this particular documentary. Because you see, the documentary had not just one, but several narrators. But I want you to pay attention to the first narrator when I play it to you, the very first voice you hear when I play to you. And tell me if you know who that is. There's a big thing that has happened at The Hustler, at Hustler Casino Live. People asking me if I'm watching, telling me to turn it on. Very, very big deal, they told me. And they were right. It turned out to be a big deal. Yes, that's me. My voice is in the first 12 seconds of the documentary. (laughs) What? How did that happen? I didn't give them permission. They lifted that from this show. So Brian Sagbixall and whoever helped him make this, they had some other narrator and 
I, I don't think he did this on his own, but whoever did this, listen to my show and grab that little clip and use that as the opening. It's my voice. They're using me. What the hell? That's the last thing I expected. You could ask me, pick 500 people you think might be introducing this at the very beginning. And I would not guess myself. Because why would I? I, I know I didn't introduce it. You could probably give me a thousand people I wouldn't guess them. How could it be me? But it is me. Let's listen to that again. There's a big thing that has happened at The Hustler, at Hustler Casino Live. People asking me if I'm watching, telling me to turn it on. Very, very big deal, they told me. And they were right. It turned out to be a big deal. <laughs> I played this to my girlfriend, and she she laughed. She couldn't believe it. I played it to Benjamin. He laughed. He couldn't believe it. Like It's just so weird that this documentary starts with me. It's not like I'm in the middle of it. I'm the first 12 seconds. It starts out with me. Why? I have nothing to do with this. So anyway, you can still find it if you type in untold secrets behind the biggest scandal in poker history. It's on a channel now called Red Pill Poker. And it's funny, it was on a channel called Brian Sagbixall before. Now it's on Red Pill Poker. I don't know if this is a repost or if that's what he's changed his name to. But yeah, as far as I know, he's still wanted by the police unless he's turned himself in. Also, they don't give me credit here. What's that about? I'm looking at the description. It says, Hustler Casino Live, Rampage Poker, Daniel Negranu, Adam 22, Garrett Edelstein, Robbie J. Lou, Rip, Beans, Joe Ingram, Matt Berkey, Nick Fertucci, Ryan Feldman, Billy DGAF, Patrick Curran, Raver Poker, etc. I guess I'm etc. I should be top billing. I'm the first freaking voice they hear. So they steal my voice and I get no credit. It's the story of my life. Just wanted to play that little, <laughs> little clip to you. I was damn surprised. I'll say that. I thought maybe I was dreaming this. I thought maybe I played the wrong thing and it was my show playing. I, I well, Wait, wait, wait. What? This is me? This is my voice? Yeah, it was my voice. And the funny thing is, I saw this drop like right when I woke up that day. So I wake up and I see the little notification on my phone that it dropped. And so I, I go over to play it. That's like one of the first things I did after I woke up. So I really thought that maybe I wasn't fully with it, but no, nah, it was me. There's a big thing that has happened at The Hustler, at Hustler Casino Live. People asking me if I'm watching, telling me to turn it on. Very, very big deal, they told me. And they were right. It turned out to be a big deal. I guess it's flattering in a way. I guess it's nice they thought I was interesting enough that my description was catchy enough to where it would be the intro to this, even though I was not intending this to be an intro anywhere. All right, I'm going to shut this down for now. I have some things to do today, so I can't continue. But we'll be back. I want to thank uh, Luke Rabel for coming on. And I think if I put these two together, the remainder of the show plus what I'm doing now, it'll be one of the longest shows of all time. But that makes sense because it's been a very long time since we've been on. I'm hoping this is going to be the last we have to really focus on the Jamie LaFay thing. I'm, I'm really ready to move past it. 
I'm sick of him. But you know, it's one of these things that'll be over when it's over. But I'm hoping it'll be soon. And you can see by my frequency and tweeting about it, it's gone way down. And I think I figured it out, too. I mean, I, I told you guys before, it, I think it, it's pretty obvious what's going on and what went on. So I, I still have to edit this and still have to do the remainder of the topics later. I've never done this before. I've never done part of a show and then come back later to complete the rest of it. I've had to take, like, little breaks before. Or even breaks of like an hour or two, but I've never taken like a 12 hour or more break before coming back, but I decided that's why we're going to do it, so I can get everything done. So what I'm going to do is, uh, once this shuts down, it'll go back to a rerun that the system randomly chooses, and we should have a free roll tonight or tomorrow night whenever we do this next uh, show. Again, it'll depend on how my throat feels because uh, if I feel kind of sore, I, I don't want to get started with a long second part of the show. But if I don't, then I'll probably just edit this tonight and do it tomorrow. So we'll, we'll get us all done pretty soon. Thank you for listening. I will catch you guys very soon. And I hope you're happy to have me back. Good morning. Good night. Good afternoon. Shalom.